Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Well, it's great, you know, to win a Big Ten championship, but to win it by three games, you know, with the, with the competition in this league. And you have an unbalanced, you know, schedule too. So whether that helps us, hurts us, or kind of in between, um, things like that, you know, you kind of go back and forth with all that. But when you play 20 games, man, it's a grind. It, it is a real grind. So I'm um, just proud of our guys. Well, it's very important. Um, I think back to last season when you have to play, we played three straight games, three straight nights. Man, that's tough physically as well as mentally. You know, our guys were right there at the end fighting, man. You know, they were playing for something, man, because they had never tasted NCAA play. You know, this year would be a little different. But Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is still a lot of basketball. It really is. And uh, we got to take it one day at a time, one game at a time, and see where it leads us. But I'm happy that we're playing three games versus four. Shot clock dark. The game is tied. The Pacers will come to the forecourt with Halliburton. The crowd in Chicago rises to its feet. We're down to 14 seconds to play. Pacers have had some problem getting shots in these situations recently. Halliburton out near the timeline being hawked by Beverly, a 35-footer. Halliburton hit it. Halliburton hits a three to give Indiana the lead with two and seven-tenths seconds to go. The bench clears as Chicago takes a timeout. Well, what a game. Our second unit really was the key to this game. Chris, Ben, Isaiah gave us a great lift. O'Shea gave us a great lift. It was uh, it was up and down and all that kind of stuff. But uh, our guys kept hanging in. Ty and Tyrese just, just hit a hellacious shot. Nah, not to, no, I wouldn't say that. I mean, he's a competitor. I'm a competitor. We played us and Indy, called me a first-year guy and told me he took that matchup personal, so that's it. What a weekend. IU-Purdue take care of action on Senior Day. Pacers get a thrilling victory over the Bulls. All that and more to be dove into today on the Fan Midday Show. Jimmy Cook and Dane Fife here in the DriveHuber.com studios. Coach, few things like a win on Senior Day and both of the top programs in the state take care of business respectively yesterday. We now have an official Big Ten tournament field set, conference tournament, championship week. Blood pumping in college hoops for you? I cannot tell you how excited I am, Jimmy. Forget (laughs) college hoops. I'm working with Jimmy Cook today, baby. I mean, this is just a really fun. And if you can see Jimmy's shirt, (laughs) he's got a shirt that it fits him well. He's got shorts on. They're just above the knee. Are those seven inches? I, 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 they're the golf golf shorts. Coach. But it is championship week, <laughs> and um, the excitement's in the air. I wish wholeheartedly that we had the Big Ten tournament in Indy, but what we do have is we've got Indiana high school basketball, and it's coming to Indy soon. But you can, gosh, there's nothing better than March Madness, is there? No, there's not. And for me, and I know our producer, Eddie Garrison, has gotten in on this action as well, there is nothing like, particularly the smaller conference tournaments, not knowing anything about the teams they're playing, throwing down a 15 or $20 wager, and just hoping that you see some good basketball and maybe squeak out of there with a win. Letting it ride. Jimmy and Eddie. D- did not happen for Eddie me. Eddie and Eddie, remember? <laughs> yeah. Eddie and Eddie. Hey, Eddie. <laughs> did not happen for me 
until yesterday. Um, again, don't one eight hundred nine with it. Don't recklessly bet on the teams that you root for. Uh, but I did live bet the Hoosiers yesterday. Worked out well. Sa- saved the weekend. On the other end of the coin, though, as you look at the smaller conferences and you see bids continue to stack up, coach, you've been around every inch of college basketball. Not just from your perspective as a fan, but just your perspective inside the locker room, inside those huddles. Uh, what is this week like? It's the kind of the precursor to the real buzz and the jazz of March Madness, but it is still a job to be done, a trophy to be won, an automatic bid to, to lock up. Well, precursor is the key, you know, as a player uh, and a coach, really, and a coach for 10 years at Michigan State under Tom Izzo, as you all know, mm-hmm. and played, and every year, uh, that I played, it really was about not just making the NCAA tournament, but bringing back the old Indiana. And then at Michigan State, same thing. It's it's about playing for championships. Um, and really what happens is you run on adrenaline because, you know, you take Indiana, for example, their first game is at 9.30 on Friday night. 9.30 p.m. We're not talking Jimmy's wake-up time, Eddie. <laughs> We're talking 9.30 p.m., and then they've got to flip back around at 2.30. And I used to hear Coach Izzo complain about that forever because it seemed like Michigan State always gets the primetime slots, especially back then when I was uh, part of the program. And I'm not saying they got primetime as a result of me being part of the program, but we always got the primetime slot. Then you got to flip around and play the next day. And really what happens is you go on adrenaline. And I was surprised that even as a coach – um, the emotional toll it takes on a coach during a game, I f- would feel more exhausted as a coach than I did a player. And it, you know, when I first started Michigan State, it wasn't like I was 19, but I was 32. And so I wasn't that old. And the emotional toll on a staff is probably worse than what the players have to go through playing three straight games. How much of that is... The fact that when you're divvying up, and I, and I only know a little bit of this just from from, from talking with different coaches. From watching. And, and from watching as well. You obviously are assigning, as you're looking ahead to, this is who we might play, this is who we might play, yep. the scout to your assistants. Yep. You talk about right. that emotional rush of it. You want to win. You want to close things out. You're looking forward to a matchup against, let's say, Ohio State yep. the next day, yep. and then a buzzer beater yep. goes down, and yep. it's... Yeah. Is that the mental aspect of it because you're juggling so many assignments all at well, once? Well, the good news is is we, we, you've been through a whole conference season. Yep. And so you every opponent generally you have the, the, the basic scout for each program. And take a guy like Matt Painter who's been in the league how many years? Close to 20. Yeah. Or Tom Izzo, close to 40. And what that means is is they run – they don't deviate – too much they'll deviate from year to year based on their personnel but they they are who they are and they don't change much and so what I'm trying to say is the produced the the, the scouting report on Purdue um, it's it's pretty much set in stone uh, with a few deviations and so uh, throughout the conference season um, everything that the hay is in the barn is I would always say the hay's in the barn and really what it is, it's it's about how you play. So um, during this week, the first game starts Wednesday. The first Big Ten tournament game start Wednesday. But during this week, uh, say at Michigan State, who plays Friday, or in Indiana. I know at Michigan State, they will work on probably um, things that 
each team that they might play do um, that are that are similar. And but they'll spend a lot of time working on themselves. And that's a long story long, but that's what needed to be for you to for you for you uh, for you fans to understand. I appreciate that. I'm o- I'm always down for in-depth analysis or, or, or deep dive as they're uh, sometimes referred to. You mentioned the primetime aspect of it or playing a late game like that. When you factor that in with the double buy, does that is is that a, a mesh and a combination set of two factors having having a little bit of a gap between games with the double buy, but also knowing in Indiana's case, for example, you, you have a late night turnaround like you mentioned are you are you trying to get everybody focused mentally both from the hey we got a couple days off but then it's bang 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 we're playing four games in four days or I guess in this case three games in three days yeah I mean the toughest game will be Friday for for teams that have the double bye because and any coach will tell you that that the other teams had a chance to get used to the rims have have had a chance to play in the United Center to play a game or two and I think um, once you once you get past the first game usually your team you can you, you really feel like your team's got their feet underneath you underneath them and uh, you feel like you can can basically and what really happens is you go on autopilot you go on adrenaline you go on cruise control and the best players the the best teams typically win did you get an opportunity at all yesterday? We didn't talk about this pre-show, so I'll ask you now. Either Purdue, Illinois, or is Indiana, this a landmine? Is he setting me did up, you, Eddie? Did, <laughs> wouldn't surprise me. Is that the way, Jim? Is that is that what he does? Yeah, he's been looking forward to this day because I've been going <laughs> yeah, at him yeah, about been, his been, music you, selection. Been dunking on me a number of times. Here comes the landmine. The board. Here we go. I have an opportunity to watch any college basketball yesterday? Did I have any? That's it. No, the, the the preface was: <laughs> Did you get a chance to watch Purdue, or Illinois, or Indiana, or Michigan? And depending on which one you say deviates where I ask my next question. Okay, I watched the Boilers. I watched the, the Boilers played Illinois. I watched um I, I watched the Buckeyes in Michigan State. I watched some I watched a whole bunch. I mean I watched Kansas, Texas. I watched a little bit of Indiana, Michigan. Um and then uh, gosh Northwestern yep. Rutgers. That was a shocker. Uh, I didn't think Northwestern would have won there. I watched Maryland and uh Penn State. That was a great game. <laughs> I saw the end of the um, oh the buzzer beater Kennesaw State yep. and um, Liberty Liberty crazy had or the Eastern Liberty Washington. side there Eastern Washington uh, buzzer beater too that's crazy great weekend great weekend for hoops that's why Jimmy's so excited and that's why he has his never daunted shirt I do I'm I'm, I'm repping the Hoosiers with pride for for two reasons today one uh, they made Eddie and myself winners uh, on the gambling side of things which. We already prefaced that at the top of the Big show. Big gamblers here, Eddie and Jimmy. And then secondly, and this goes back again to the to the coaching aspect of everything, where the board fell with Northwestern beating Rutgers last night, IU now the three seed, and you look at their path in the Big Ten tournament, you're set up for a Friday night showdown with either Maryland, Minnesota, and Nebraska. Maryland's not to be overlooked, but when you look at the Big Ten up top to bottom, I, I don't hate where their path is at in terms of Trying to make a run in a tournament that has historically not been kind to the Hoosiers prior to, <laughs> to last year. Since 2002. Yeah, yes, indeed. I I love Indiana's uh, side of the bracket. I think teams they want to stay away from would be Michigan State, Iowa, Purdue, Michigan. Um, 
you know, Northwestern's beaten Indiana twice, but I still feel like, um, and Penn State's over there too on on Indiana's side of the bracket. But I still think that um, Indiana has has got a favorable side all the way to the championship game, and um, I'd be surprised again. Indiana has overwhelming talent. I just truly believe that. And by overwhelming talent, I mean guys like Trace Jackson Davis, Race Thompson, um, Jalen Hood Shafino. Although he's a freshman, um, he's an NBA guard, and he's the NBA guard right now. Uh, and they also have older guys. They've got an old team, guys that have the experience. Um, Indiana should win this Big Ten tournament. There's no question in my mind, based on the things I just said, it, I'd be su- very surprised if any Indiana didn't win this tournament based on how they're playing and their talent and their experience. For you, if it's a the age old cliche is, oh man, it's tough to beat a good team three times in a row. All that, fun. yeah. If it is a Purdue Indiana showdown, the Big Ten tournament, did you take anything from those two games from a either just a scout standpoint or just the way that Indiana was able to? for the most part in those games, have a stranglehold on that contest. Obviously, they won both, but never really in doubt outside of late at Assembly Hall in the first meeting. I, I think Indiana has Purdue's number, and it's based on the matchups. Uh, I think Indiana's guards defensively uh, really cause problems uh, based on what Purdue is trying to do with their guards. And I also think Indiana's bigs, their size and strength, um, although they don't dominate Zach Eady defense on the defensive end, what they do is they limit Zach Eady on the defensive end. Um, and you, you combine those two things, um, and I think Purdue loses energy offensively. Uh, Purdue loses energy on the defensive end based on their ineptness offensively against Indiana because Indiana causes problems based on the matchups. On that same premise, but this time with Purdue, I, I hear people constantly ask, oh man, Zach Eady's got to get a touch. Got to get yeah. Zach E to the ball. Yeah. Obviously, Matt Painter knows that. Obviously, the staff knows that. How, how tough is that, obviously, from what a defense is throwing at them? They're trying to limit that from happening. How tough is that to stay in the flow of the offense, knowing that it's arguably at its best whenever the big fella is getting in touch? You know, it's interesting, and I think ref- officiating does play a role. But Zach Eady could could – an official could call a foul. Yes, on Zach Eady's behalf every time he touches the ball. Every time he enters below the free throw line, an official could call the foul. And it really does depend on the officiating. Uh, I think it's important that the officials do keep the stars in the game. So maybe uh, you uh, bypass a Trace Jackson Davis foul and give it to a sub. Give it to a Tamar Bates. Give it to a, um, I don't know, an Anthony Lee, whoever comes in. Uh, but I think uh, I think teams are throwing every everything they have at Zach Eady too, and so Zach Eady never gets a uh, never gets the same. It feels like Zach Eady never gets the same look defensively twice in a row. Yeah, and so uh, I give Purdue credit. Um, they continue every everything leads to Zach. I mean, every play they run essentially. Okay, look if you don't have this shot, look who's in there. Give him the ball, um, and I think. Uh, you know, I don't think it's like Purdue players are freezing freezing them out. I don't think, uh, you know, Matt Painter is not, not doing a good job with it. But um, it's not as easy as you think because one of the big parts of stopping Zach Eady is preventing the pass, uh, preventing the passer from getting a good look 
towards Zach Eady. I mean, you'd be shocked at how teams are scheming to stop this situation they have at Purdue. And it's been going on for about 10 years now. You know, it started with a guy like A.J. Hammonds and then Isaac Haas and Caleb Swanigan and and now Zach Eady. And they got another big Haas from Sweden right behind yep. him getting ready to roll. The, the revolving door of yep. big men for the Purdue Boilermakers. Hey, if over I'm 7'5", I'm coming to Purdue to play. <laughs> There's a scholarship waiting for you. That's right. <laughs> and, and, and they got a guy, a coach named Brandon Brantley, who's one of the best in the business. Great person, great coach, does a heck of a job with their big guys. You mentioned the guard play of Purdue to start the year, and when they were really firing on all cylinders, it was thought, particularly the youngsters, that this is a group that's playing out of its mind, not not similarly to underclassmen guards that you're going to see in the Big Ten. It's tapered off a bit, but the phrase that I keep hearing from analysts during coaches' interviews is that things are going to open up for teams once you get out of conference play. And by that I mean once you get to the tournament, because they keep emphasizing, well, the scout isn't, as concise because to your earlier point you're not seeing a team for a third time this is the first time that obviously not the 116 matchup you get into the round of 32 the sweet 16 you look at Purdue's guard play is that going to benefit them and their offense as a whole having teams that aren't as familiar but obviously they're aware of what they can do or does that just at this point a narrative and it doesn't matter to coaching now, staff? You see I, you know what I think one the only thing the only issue I would have with Purdue's guards is it could be worn down you know they're young uh, take a kid, take a kid, and I mean a kid. They're kids. They're they're seventeen, eighteen years old. Uh, Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer. Uh, I think they're worn down, and um, hopefully this you know this week they can they can chill a little, get their legs back underneath them. But adrenaline will get going. But essentially, I think um, I think most coaches you talk to, I think Jimmy's quoting himself. He's just making it sound like he's talked to coaches. <laughs> I think Jimmy knows the game. But, Jimmy, I think you're right. I, I do think the game will open up a little bit for Purdue. Uh, but don't think that these other programs, you know, once you get out of conference, aren't doing their research. Right. They're not – they're talking probably to all other 13 programs in in the conf- in in the Big Ten conference about how to stop Purdue, so they'll be preparing for that once you get in the Big Ten tournament. And I guess that's my lar- NCAA tournament. That's my larger question because I, I keep hearing that, and my thought is, well, it's twenty twenty three. People have access to all the same video tech scouting right. report, right? Cameras, film that any other program would have. How much does it matter? when you go from conference tournament play where teams have seen you so many times versus visualizing yeah. on film what another team presents. It doesn't just have to be Purdue, just in general, because it goes back to how you can't simulate in practice versus actual experience in conference play. And does that benefit a team like Purdue or like well, Indiana? One of, one, of the biggest, one of the biggest issues with the NCAA tournament is matchups. Yep. And... I've always said, like, our two least talented teams at Michigan State made it to the Final Four. And, I, you know, we're talking about Indiana right now. We're talking about Indiana getting a good side of the bracket in the Big Ten tournament. Well, why? Well, we look at Northwestern, who's the second seed. and But Northwestern's beaten them twice. The question is why. I think it's because of matchups. I think Northwestern's got good defensive guards, and they've got bigs that'll turn the heat up on on uh, Trace Jackson Davis, and then they'll heat them up with a double team. Um, whereas maybe a Michigan State on the other side is is a better matchup 
for Indiana because they don't heat up the ball uh, on the on the the post player as much. It is really about matchups in the NCAA tournament, and I think that's where, like a Purdue last year, who'd they lose to? They lost to, uh, gosh, Shaheen St. Peter's, Shaheen Holloway's team. Why? Because they got, uh, they're electric. They just, they fly around, they trap, they and they just sped Purdue up, and Purdue couldn't keep up. And so, um, matchups are critical no matter what the situation, but they're even more critical because you are who you are by that time. Your stuff's kind of set in stone, what you do offensively, what you do defensively. And so I think that's why matchups proved to be most critical in the NCAA tournament. This will be a better conversation next week because we'll have the bracket by then and we'll know what type of matchups are going to be on the way for the likes of Indiana and Purdue. But when you look at both those clubs, you mentioned last year and really the, the year before that as well when Purdue lost to, to North Texas, it had been either electric guard players, electric wings, and, and an offense that is moving at such a pace that it, it puts them at a disadvantage on the defensive end. You can't know that without the draw, but when you look at how these both Indiana and Purdue play defensively, where's the biggest area you would attack them or a reason they could be exploited this year? Well, the biggest area for Indiana is – that that I'd attack is I you got to get find a way to get Galloway and Huchifino, uh on the defensive side. You got to find a way to get Galloway and Huchifino in foul trouble, which Michigan but, did yesterday. Which yep, and they're very aggressive. They're very aggressive on the defensive end, and and they tend to take risk. Maybe not risk in going for steals, but risk reaching. They're very physical, and so that would be the first thing. The second thing is is I would you've got to find a way to to limit. Trace Jackson Davis. You're not going to necessarily neutralize him. You're not going to stop. You've got to find a way to limit him. And the third thing is just Chafino downhill going right. It continues to happen. You know, Michigan tried and tried, and he got downhill a couple times. Uh, I'm still surprised they they uh, gave him that three at the end of the game. Minute left. Let's uh, let's anything but a three. And uh, so that's what I do with Indiana. With Purdue, uh, I think you stop Zach Eady. You just make everybody drivers. You make everybody dribble the ball and do your best to double-team Zach Eady and rotate out. But regardless, don't give up open threes, and you've got to find a way to make Zach Eady give it up. Zooming out for a second, and we are going to zoom out further at 1 o'clock. Seth Greenberg going to join us, give us his thoughts in general with Championship Week upon us. I love Seth Greenberg. I can't wait. Coach, coach, coach. Got to love love Seth Greenberg. Tony East going to join us at the top of the 2 o'clock hour. Get his thoughts on the Pacers' most recent victory. Depends on what camp that you're in. I'll get to that in a second. Don Fisher at 12.30 coming up here in about eight minutes. Bring old Don. Give us all the lowdown on senior day and just the takeaways from Indiana's win against Michigan. But on the Pacers' side of things, I want to get to this quickly before we head over for a break and talk to Don. The never-ending debate right now amongst the fan base, again, to preface, we've done this two weeks now, but just so no one's calling in and getting frustrated. Within the fan base is, what's the point in winning right now? Okay, you make the play in, great. Players are still trying to win. Coaching staff still trying to win. Uh, if you're on team tank, that was a deadly loss la- or a deadly win, but a loss for your chances last <laughs> night when Tyrese Halliburton's knocking down a 30-footer uh, for the game. Now, I've been on the fence all year about this, Dane, because I wanted going in them to be electric and fun. And Jimmy give me hates. hope. Jimmy loves tanking. But but yeah, I'm 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 I mean I'm not quite to our our we've had a obviously rotating shelf of hosts. I'm not quite into our friend Brian No's camp of I have to have tank, 
But yeah, I'd be lying to you if I looked at that matchup on paper last night and thought, well, the Bulls beat you. I mean, you're you're gonna hold a tie break and, and be be ahead of them a little bit in that. <laughs> Jimmy lottery wants more odds. lottery balls. I, 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 give me give me more. I need Jimmy more ping pong needs balls. More balls. In general, uh, when you look at a Pacers team that, again, is still very much fighting for the play, I think they're two back on the lost side of that final 10th spot. Does that change anything for you as a fan and as observer, the addition of the play-in now three years in and the fact that a team like the Pacers, who without it would probably be set in the lottery, still have something to fight for? Does that move the needle all for you? So play-in game obviously eliminates you from lottery. Look, I've seen too often, and I I don't have the numbers, but I've seen too often teams that have no business being in the top three end up in the top three based on a lottery. I think the Pacers, um, I think they know they've got a pretty good core group. They've got some pretty good leaders in the locker room. And I think that Rick Carlisle and his his staff and and, uh, Chad Buchanan and, and Kevin Pritchard, I think they've got a pretty good thing going. So, um you know, I, it's just hard because right now they you can focus. Let's play the young guys. Let's play some guys and see, tinker around. Um, I don't think they're the kind of group that would would be interested in, in quote unquote tank. No, again, I, I know we we've established this as our baseline for these conversations. We know the coaching staff isn't. We know the players aren't because just like we said with the Colts at the end of last year, you're still fighting for jobs next year. You're fighting for your NBA future as you get down to this stretch of, oh, did they lay down, or is this a guy that could add to us if you're a contender looking at pieces in free agency next year? The other side of that coin, though, and as the coach of the room, I defer to you, people talk about, oh, well, we just want to get him playoff experience. Get this yeah. locker room some playoff experience. No. It's going to benefit in the long run. Yeah, How, how much is that doing? I, I don't think they're, they're – that's good coach speak. <laughs> and But I think that they're a competitive group that – likes what they have and I don't think that they're thinking any one draft pick can come in and change their whole I think they've got guys right now on their team that are program changers they've got a group that is a program changer that is a um, that's a that's a group that can take them to a championship now it's based on how do they fill the gaps um could they get a superstar? Maybe, but then it, I don't know that that superstar comes in and changes everything sure. right away. I think could they could they go to free agency and get one? Ah, that's hard, man. Bringing in a superstar because the superstar is bringing an ego, and it's tough in this market anyway to get them. And I'd say it's like bringing in Jimmy has a posse, so it's like bringing <laughs> Jimmy in and expecting it takes time to to mold around Jimmy's crew and Jimmy's posse, wouldn't you say? Oh, I would definitely agree. Yeah, it just takes time to 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 really mold a group. So, I guess I I kind of make the analogy, the comparison to the Pacers. Right now, it's it's not necessarily role players that they need, but they need the right pieces, not the great, the right pieces. I think that's their concern. As we roll along today, we'll get more on the Pacers front from Dane. In addition, we'll get his thoughts on college basketball contenders to win the NCAA title. And pretenders. I love some pretenders. I want that list so I can know who to knock off, maybe get some last-minute future bets in as well. But around the corner, the voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, takes us through IU's win over Michigan, how they're preparing for the Big Ten tournament. Their action starts Friday. Our conversation with Don is next. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Puts a feet up, backs it out. Jalen, out near the middle of the floor, starts to the right side, bounces the trace down low. Throws it cross-court to Miller Cop for three. Yeah! The voice of the Hoosiers, the Hall of Famer, the legend himself, Don Fisher. Nice enough to take some time with us as he does each and every Monday. Don, how are you, sir? I'm good, Jimmy. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, senior day for you. Uh, the way that game closed, a little overtime action. You're, you're, a, you're a, a walking encyclopedia of knowledge. Where does that rank up for you in terms of that type of finish, that type of electricity on a senior day? You're asking me a question like that after last night. I got hardly no sleep. Are you kidding me? I can't remember anything past last night. <laughs> well, I can focus on just last night then, if you want me to. If you want me to to bring it back down to a more reasonable level for both of us. <laughs> yeah, well, that'd be good because, honest to goodness, we've had a lot of games throughout the years that that, that would be very close to this in the sense of excitement and and how it finishes and what it means, all those kinds of things, but. At the same time, uh, you know, these days they all kind of flow together, so I can't come up with just one thing. But I can tell you that it was special. The atmosphere was tremendous in the assembly hall, as you might expect. Uh, It's just one of the best atmospheres in all of college basketball. Mackey will rival that. I'm not going to argue that point. There's just no question. The state of Indiana loves its basketball. And you can't get better uh, than Indiana for for college basketball, high school basketball, whatever it may be. So, without question, it was a it was a great atmosphere. It was so much fun to be a part of, and a, a great win for Indiana. They had to win it. Uh, the amazing thing about it is, you had seven teams going into Sunday with six games being most tied for second place in the league, and Indiana with the win ties Northwestern for second place in the conference standings at the end of the regular season. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, Donald, that that was a heck of a game yesterday between the Hoosiers and, and Michigan, and they definitely needed it. You, you know what I needed, Don, the day that I invited you to play golf with me? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I mean, I, I was bragging to the, 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 the two that we were paired up against, and uh, I got you some free golf. I think you almost you didn't even show up with time to, to get on the range, and uh, you let me down. And <laughs> this comes up every time we see each other. This yeah. is just ridiculous. Uh, but I tell you, hey, um, on a less serious note, because that's that's too serious. It hurts. I know. Um, it hurts. I know. You know, you you, you went through. You, you've seen. Indiana in every Big Ten tournament. And it's almost to the point where it's starting to talk about like the, the Cubs not winning the World Series since, what was it, 1908. I, I said this earlier, and I know you didn't listen to me. Um, You're right. I but, but, but I think I'd be shocked. For me, I'd be shocked, and, and I know you can't say that to this extent, but uh, I'd be shocked if Indiana, based on their talent, based on their experience and 
based on how they're playing. I know they didn't play great yesterday or against Iowa, but I think they're ready. I think that part of their problem is is they're they're ready for the tournament. They're ready for the tournaments. They're ready for March. They're tired of the dog days of late January, February. I think guys like Trace Jackson Davis, Race Thompson, um, you know, Miller Cop, those guys are ready to be back for March, be back in March. And I'd be shocked if they don't win the Big Ten tournament. What are your feelings towards Indiana as they um, get uh, geared up for the Big Ten tournament in March? Well, I, I think the big thing, Doc, right now, Doc, did it again. I'm Just call me dork. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it, Dane. Jimmy, because Jimmy, and I had a bet. the golf again. You I won come the up bet. With the golf again. You, I know, but you come up with the golf again. So I'm gonna, I'm, not, hey, I'm gonna call I, you. I'm gonna start calling you dork. <laughs> <laughs> I can handle it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, my thoughts are this. Without question, this team uh, has been kind of Jekyll and Hyde of late. Uh, they have played the last seven ball games with a win-loss, 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 win scenario. That doesn't give me great feel feeling about what we're about to face in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, three straight days, if you get there to the championship ball game, uh, back to back to back. That's number one. Number two. The one thing that really concerned me after watching the, the game against Iowa this past week was they just didn't look like they had any legs left. Mm-hmm. And that means the energy wasn't there. Obviously, the the come down off of the gigantic win over Purdue last Saturday was a big part of that. But they just didn't have legs in that ball game. That really concerned me. That's number one. And then number two, uh, can you get back and can you be resilient after a loss like that? Well, that's exactly what they did. I'm not quite sure what to expect in this Big Ten tournament. I know they want to win it. They want to. I know that Trace Jackson up there that they won a Big Ten conference championship tournament, um, but but and it's never happened. So there's some there's obviously a lot of incentive there for these guys. But at the same time, I don't know quite how you expect to see this team go into a three game scenario with the lack of bench help that they've gotten of late. Uh, not being the deep team that we thought they're going to be at the beginning of the season, and expect them to go three straight ball games with those guys playing that many minutes and winning it. Don Fisher, the voice of the Hoosiers, nice enough to take some time with us. Don, you mentioned the fact they didn't have the legs against Iowa, but obviously it was present, particularly in the second half yesterday. My, my biggest worry about this team going into senior day was if they face a deficit, do they have the offensive firepower and to your point the legs and the energy to carry the day they rallied from a 12 point second half deficit yesterday to get that done did that move the needle similarly for you in terms of they've shown a couple times obviously they can win late they won on the road at Michigan just off the top of the dome uh, in mm-hmm. that series and then rally from 12 down yesterday did that move the same way for you yeah and, and, and I think the, the thing about this league this year the parity is just amazing it's just simply amazing and maybe that's the case all over the country from a college basketball basketball perspective but uh, this league there's just nobody you can take the day off on nobody uh i mean minnesota proved that last week there, mm. there this is a this is a program or a, or a conference i should say right now that has terrific coaching they they have terrific players uh it's a league that just beats the snot out of one another throughout the season and if you look at the last two tournaments, the last two NCAA tournaments, uh, 
the Big Ten has laid a big egg because they've gotten like eight or nine teams in uh, in the NCAA tournament, and they only get maybe one or two to the Sweet 16. Um, it tells you that this league has such a grind to go through that it's really tough on all of these players and these coaches, and uh, you just have to have a special, special year if you're going to get past that point. Fish, uh, how much have you studied? Have you had time to study the, the Big Ten tournament bracket? Uh, my, my thought is this. I think they, the Indiana side of the bracket, at least the eye test, looks very pleasing. And um, you look at Northwestern, you look at Maryland. Uh, those are all teams that I can envision Indiana beating with ease. I know they've lost sure. twice to Northwestern. What are your thoughts on Indiana's side of the bracket? If, if you've looked at it, if not, just make something up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've looked at it, and I, I mean, you're not wrong. Uh, I, I really do think it's the easiest part of the bracket. Uh, I think because look at Michigan, what they've done with Games went down to the wire. Uh, Iowa, red hot. Don, you still got us? Yeah, I do. Sorry, we lost you there for a second. Yep. Don's in the um, the locker room getting ready to play some golf. He's getting. getting... I I literally have not moved in this chair. He's combing his hair. What happened there? Doc just kills me. <laughs> it's dork to you. <laughs> but but at any rate, the the bracket itself, uh, there's no question. Uh, I think that's the easiest part uh, of the bracket itself, as far as Indiana's concerned. And I, I I do think Indiana's got a chance. I mean, they do have a chance to to get to the championship game and to perhaps give Indiana its first ever victory in this tournament. But I also one done in this tournament and that's 18 of them <laughs> so yeah, right uh, yeah i mean that's literally an all-time record is 11 and 18 i think going into last year and, and last year of course indiana kind of broke up that phenomenon with uh, a really good performance in two of the three ball games that they played and actually they played really well in all three of them they just get they just didn't win so um i mean look if Indiana plays up to its capability, they have every opportunity to win the Big Ten champion. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. But I just don't see the bench right now helping them as much as they need help right at this juncture of the season. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why legs are an important factor here. Yeah, and great legs you have. Those calves are phenomenal, especially when they <laughs> glisten in that sun. Hey, Fish, um, if, if not uh, Indiana or Purdue – what other Big Ten teams can you see making a run, if any, in the NCAA tournament? Because I think that, uh, as you said, there's a lot of parity but they're in college basketball. And so, if not those two teams, what other Big Ten teams do you think could make a run? And maybe you don't think Indiana or Purdue can make a run. Maybe you do. I'd be curious to know, though, what teams outside of the state could make a run in the NCAA tournament. Well, I, I do think Purdue is a team that has the ability, uh, and getting out of the Big Ten may help them. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Because everybody knows that they've got a formula now to deal with that, and um, some teams are just not going to be uh, available to, or to be able to deal with what Zach Eady can bring to the table. And we know that the guards have been a little bit suspect here toward the end of the season for Purdue. 
But I do think they've got a, a really good bench. They've got a lot of players they can go to there. And if they find themselves a little bit here in the postseason, uh, they could be a danger to everybody. Uh, aside from them, I think everybody else in the in the Big Ten. I don't think there's I don't think there's much chance of them or, or of anybody else in this league going past the sweets. That's Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers. Nice enough to take some time with us. Don, always appreciate you. Uh, safe travels to the Windy City, and looking forward to talking to you next week. Thanks, Fish. Jimmy, thank you. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Dane, thank you so much, big boy. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'll be at the show tonight. <laughs> okay, Mr. Dork. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Don. See you guys. That is Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, Indiana, victorious yesterday, 75-73 to in overtime over Michigan. Close out the Big Ten Conference slate, 12-8, and 21-10 on the year. And as Dane mentioned, the three seed in the Big Ten tournament. Got a little late night start for the Hoosiers with a 9 o'clock, 9.30 expected tip on Friday night. Nevertheless, with the Big Ten tournament, Looking forward to the action. Wish we had conference tournaments on right now, but unfortunately, got to, got to wait a couple more days for daytime hoops to come into our life. Hey, I cannot wait, and I've said it before, the The Indiana game is way past my bedtime, so that'll be a tough one. That'll be a watch the next day, but uh, there's plenty to go all week. I mean, there's plenty to go around all week. We've got another final tonight. Uh, another ticket will be punched tonight and you've got uh eddie what do we got we got uh acc starting tomorrow acc starts tomorrow with uh i think it's wake forest and florida state wow this oh. is J- J- jimmy <laughs> jimmy's breakout out in hives he's um, i'm hyped he's, he's looking for parlays he's 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 never daunted indeed that's day five okay, sure no. <laughs> i'm jimmy cook Still to come, Seth Greenberg going to join us top of the hour. Tony East, top of next hour. Seth, of course, taking us big picture on College Hoop as Championship Week is upon us. When we come back, one stat and one nugget for a reason why Purdue will not win the NCAA tournament this year. We'll have that for you when we come back on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to the Fan Midday Show. Alongside Dane Fife, I'm Jimmy Cook. Eddie Garrison guiding us through the afternoon. Eddie Garrison playing Eddie Veteran, the Pearl Jam, even flow. You think he's buttering up to you, or you think it's it's genuine? That I he's... think it's just a matter of respect. Yeah, we've got a producer that respects something me. I didn't bring to the table. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> he'd get offended, Eddie. Jimmy, yeah, Cook Jimmy's would a get softy. offended. Yeah, I'm, I'm soft. Yeah, no. Jimmy's soft. He he would get offended when when we when I would request music. He okay, I'll give you one music selection per show. That's wow, what he said. only one? One? Yeah. That's rude. There's three hours. You should get one an hour. Hey, you're a better man than I. What I'm thinking, we all knew this, though. What I'm thinking of calling Jimmy right now is not good for the airwaves, so I won't do it. He's got a dump button. It's YouTube audience will still hear it, but hey, if you want to roll the dice on that, you're welcome to. Hit the call button. <laughs> we mentioned going to break. A key stat I saw today. reason why Purdue will not win it all this year. And it's not just because of what you hit me with when we went to Bowl, because, you know, just look at the history. That's not, that's not where it is. 
Kind of is, though, but not with Purdue. Big picture. Dane, does it matter, or is it just a narrative, just to flash the pan? Throw it out. Don't consider this one filling out brackets. Don't consider this one setting bets. Since 2000, all but four NCAA champions have had a three-point shooting percentage of 36% or greater. All but four have been sub-36% and still won. Purdue is at 32% on the year. That's a shocker. Does that matter to you? The Jimmy Factoid. As the pundit, as the... Decent, but the Purdue Jimmy Factoid, that n- Purdue shooting 32% Not Not, not so great. Year, what are they shooting in conference? Get back to me on that one? Yes. I'll have to get back to you on that I always one. look at how they shoot in conference, because I think that's really what you get a good idea of what they're shooting. Um, Why does know. that differentiate for you? Because that's when teams start to get better defensively. Okay. And uh, that that's when they're either at their best or their worst, too, because they're being guarded better. But also their their players and their roles are falling into place. Guys are should know where they're going to get their shots by the time conference rolls around. 34%. Okay. It's still, it's still, still sub-36. It's Jimmy's narrative. So that, that's my question. Narrative or st- – because for me – if I'm trying to bet a futures bet or if I'm trying to fill up my bracket, which, again, we'll do a lot of next week, yeah. I'm looking for any eliminator I can. I hear you. And that 22 years of 21, if you remove COVID, that's a, something that pops out to me. Yeah. Four teams, though. Yes. Can you throw – can you get one of the four? Um, that have won it. Yes. I like a Carolina team the last time they won it with um, – Luke May, that squad. They who did they beat? Might have been Villanova. North Carolina has been over thirty six percent each time they've won. Dang it! No, no, no. I'm sorry. You're right. I apologize. I misread the sheet. Twenty seventeen, thirty five point five. They were below. They are. Oh, below. there you there go. There you go. Um, I would probably go with um, who won it last year? Kansas. No, yep. I think Kansas shot over thirty six. Um, Kentucky. No. In 12, they were over. The other ones are Louisville, so the year after. UConn in 2011. And then Syracuse in 2003. Wow. There's your four. Okay. But of narrative or legitimate trend, yeah. where do you where do you side on that? More narrative-based? No, I, I like the trend. I, I, I definitely like the, okay. the, the trend. I'd, I'd go with it. Well... Since we both agreed this has a little bit less water, but one person that will not be shy about brushing me to the side is our next guest, the coach, Seth Greenberg. He'll let, he'll let us know real quick if that's something to actually monitor or if that's just something that I'm throwing out there that has Gosh, no bearing on I can't on, wait. I hope he deal. just lights you up. I hope he lights you up. <laughs> He's not afraid to. That'll be the coach, Seth Greenberg. When we come back, Jimmy Cook and Dane Fife here on the Fan Midday Show, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Jimmy Cook and Dane Fife from the DriveHuber.com studios here on the Fan Midday Show. It's championship week. Yes. It's already begun. We got some tickets punched. Big 10 ACC. Get going here in the next couple of days. But first, as we bring in our next guest. A champion. One of my favorites. A champion in his own right. The coach, Seth Greenberg. 
Seth, I, I got to start off with this. Me and Dane were going back and forth about it before we went to break. The following stat I'm going to give you. Is it a narrative or is it a trend that should be looked at when you're trying to find who's going to win it all this year? Since 2000, all but four of the national championship winners shot 36% or better from beyond the arc. Is that a narrative or is that a trend that you should look at when trying to pick between the contenders? No, I think it's, something, it's a trend because in the end, you got to make shots. The game is officiated a little bit more tightly in the NCAA tournament, which means there'll be more freedom of movement. So there'll be better ball movement, which will enable you to get more open shots. And you need guys who can make shots. Uh, I, I've said all season long, the Big 12 is such a great conference. It's so physical. I just wonder the first two rounds, because I think the next two rounds, it's a little different. But the first two rounds, because those fishers want to advance, I think they'll call it a little tighter, which might impact some of those teams. Not Baylor, not Kansas, but some of those teams defensively. Yeah, I, I think... By the co- way, this is a big-time combination right here. I mean, hey. sorry, Indianapolis, <laughs> this is a big-time... And Jimmy Cook and Dave Five. I mean, it doesn't get much better than this <laughs> I don't know what it took you so long to figure it out. I know. That, that somebody's got to start listening around here. <laughs> hey, Coach, I... It's so interesting. We we talk about you're talking about officiating, and all we hear about is how bad the officiating is in the Big Ten. And I know you watch basketball all over the country, but I keep thinking like these con- officiating consortiums. There's so many officials that mix and match with different conferences. Why is it? Is the spotlight just on the Big Ten? Is the Big Ten that bad? Or is it all over the country that people... I mean, do people complain about the Big 12 officiating as much as they do the Big Ten? No, here's the deal. I mean, let's face it. You guys are in Big Ten country. You see the same officials yeah. all the time. So you get to know who they are. So you get you feel like you know them. So you can feel like you can kind of whack them around a little bit. Yeah. I mean, like, we, 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 we spend too much time talking about the officials. Look, do they work a ton of games? Yes, they're trying to make a living. Do they work four or five games to the point where, like, come in the middle of February, they're worn out, they're tired, they're irritable, uh, probably sore, no different than players? And coaches. Uh, and, you know, and, 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 oh, 100% in coaches. Oh, February, I was a mess. All right? So, I mean, I mean, I mean, surely. So, you know, they got a little short of fuse. Yeah. Uh, you know, although I mean, I have to admit, I mean, the stare down, I was very impressed. I would have, I would have run for Emma McCaffrey personally. Yeah, I mean, that's I agree. Thing. But, I agree. But, 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 yeah, I mean, I don't think the officiating is any better nor any worse yeah. in the Big Ten than any other conference. I think they get good officials. They do work a lot of games, but you see them so much that you know you feel like they're your buddies, and you know you can go and, and you know crap on them in the bar while you're watching a game. <laughs> yeah, hey, coach, I I turned on game day the other day, and I was so delighted to see your handsome mug on there. You got to meet. Well, they haven't gotten rid of me. They haven't gotten rid nope. of me yet. <laughs> That's because you do a heck of a job. Eric Church, okay, is my favorite singer right now. You wow. got to meet him. I I text Coach Billis because I, I didn't want to bug you because because you, you, you're focused. Well, what do you call Billis, Coach Billis? Why did I say Coach Billis? I text Jay Billis. You're right. You're right. He's no coach. He's no coach. He's a lawyer. I text Jay Billis and I said, Hey. I'm just throwing this out there, but Eric Church is my favorite singer. He goes, <laughs> I said, just throwing it out there. He goes, I'm thinking he's going to, hey, hey, let me get you on or something. Let me get you on the phone with him or something. I'm thinking, he goes, yeah, he's a, he's a great dude. 
Yeah, what would he think? We're going to stop it in the middle of the <laughs> No! It, I, I figured after it's going to be... Day, he was a heck of a player in Indiana. I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> we should put him on TV. You know, no! We, we give him a call. No, I'm thinking after the show, hey, man, hey, Eric, say hi to Dane. Boy, hey, dude. Maybe I'm just not as big time as I think I am. <laughs> what, what, what was it, Livy? Uh, are you are you I now an Eric Church fan? Huh? Are you now an Eric Church fan? Yeah, well, I, actually, my future son-in-law, uh, his family, uh, John Lyon, his dad, and Eric Church, uh, very good friends, actually went to the Final Four in Eric Church's plane and then flew back and then came back again. So oh. I would say that... Uh, I would say that I I have to be an inner church fan because John Lyon the third, which is my future son-in-law, Jeez. Uh, is uh, actually went to the Final Four with him. He's got a Final Four ring that Eric Church gave to everyone who made that trip. Oh man, how do I got to find a way to get friends with Eric Church? Got to start those connections a little deeper. You got to get a I don't know. Got to get a grind start, for start it. With the coach. You got to do a better job. Jimmy does. He calls me 15 minutes before we're going on the air last week. Last <laughs> like, oh yeah, wait for Jimmy. Jimmy Coach phone call. Seth Greenberg, the coach. Nice to take some time with us. Awesome. Here on DriveHuber.com Studios, Coach, you mentioned the Big 12 already. When you look at big picture heading into conference championship week, which teams are you having your pool of teams that can win it all? And which conferences are you tracking the most heading into championship week? You know, it's it's interesting. Which it's got to be which teams. I don't I don't track. I mean, I track all the conferences because come selection Sunday and bracketology, I've got to be semi brilliant on all conferences. <laughs> sure, which you are. But I, I I try to obviously focus on teams. I think that have a chance to to win. Uh, you know, like the one trend I would I would look at for you guys is are they in the top twenty offense and defensive efficiency? That's just a, just something you might want to look at because that way they, you know, and then how many guys can they find a way in terms of how many guys like I, I call Alabama Noah's Ark now. I think they're a little soft and you get physical with them, but they got enough guys that can take up for someone else. Uh, look, I mean, I go through each league and, and I say like, who do I think is, is can win four games to get to the final four? Like, you know, at one point I thought that was Indiana. I don't trust Indiana right now. I think they're really good. I think they got a player that can take over a game. Uh, I think that they've got a freshman guard that is absolutely blowing my mind. I need to see them in the Big Ten tournament go and win the thing, or at least get to the finals. I need to see them validate wins. That's a big thing with me. I love their toughness last night. I love their resilience last night. Uh, Purdue, can you unplug those freshman guards, plug them back in because in, in, in the NCAA tournament, the game's going to be officiated differently. You're not going to be able to mug Zach Eady. You're right. not going to be able to do it. So the game is going to be a little bit easier. It's going to be a little bit easier on the guards. My sleeper team in the Big Ten, I'm just going for conferences, is Michigan State. And it isn't the Izzo, you know, January, February, when they March, Izzo, whatever it is. No, it, like their backcourt is no joke. Yeah, they, they check mean, and they're Tyson tough. Tyson Walker can make shots at the end of yep. a shot clock at the end of the game. And A.J. Hogarth, as much as he's added in his career, as Dane could probably attest to, has driven Coach Izzo crazy. They're on the same page. And that dude can get to the to, to the basket. And he can get to the foul line. Joey House is playing great, which is the best story, one of the best stories in college basketball to me because I love that kid. I had him when I went over to Europe. And I think he's just an amazing young man who's been through a ton. They got enough depth up front. And uh, Malik Hall. So, I mean, those three – those three teams kind of are separate. And I'll tell you what, the way Northwestern's guarding, who knows, man. I mean, they were good last night, but 
Those three teams, to me, have separated themselves. You want me to go through another conference? I can. I was going to say. It, I've, been doing, I've been working on it all morning. You've been. Uh, did you get your morning walk in? Coach, I already got seven, and I got three to go. That's a killer. <laughs> Is Carolina an NCAA tournament team? No, stop, stop. Don't, don't even get that. Don't even get all the words in your mouth. I mean, stop. We're going to do something sports center today, and Fonz is going to say the most intri- interesting thing he's looking forward to. Uh, this championship week is Carolina, and I'm going to stop him riding his tracks, just like I stopped you riding tracks. <laughs> oh, no. like, 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 just enough. Oh, can we stop talking about Carolina? You had a chance Saturday. You did what you did. Well, you know, they need to get more in transition. Oh, you know, Cal- they haven't done it for 30-plus games. Why, why are they all of a sudden going to do it, uh, you know, four, four games in a row? No, we got to stop talking about Carolina. Not having a bad loss does not get you in the NCAA tournament. I didn't get in with five, six, and seven quad one wins. Not that I'm bitter, all right? But, I mean, <laughs> not having not having a bad loss doesn't. So, can we please, please, please stop talking about Carolina? Okay, I'm done. Okay, I, I think it's best to agree with Coach on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to argue with him. No, not on that I anyway. Coach, let's switch to the uh, Tar Heels rival then. Six straight winners for Duke. Where do you rank on them Ooh, heading into championship week? I kind of like I kind of like the Blue Devils. I like the job. I actually love the job that John Shire's done in terms of the patience he's had with his team. I think that for a young coach, he's shown great patience. Had the injuries early in the season. Mm-hmm. Brought Derek Lively along. Derek Whitehead's figuring out a role. Lively's got a role now. Put the ball in Tyrese Proctor's hands. Didn't overreact to losses early. Continue to coach his team. They're really good on the defense. So much better defensively than they've been in the last four or five years. Offensively, at the end of games, they actually know where they're going to and how who they want to get the ball to and where they want to get him the ball, which is different than, quite honestly, Coach K's last three years. And don't mm-hmm. at me. He's a Hall of Fame coach. He's the GOAT. At the end of the games, they didn't know where to go. That's why Dave Fife went to a Final Four at Michigan State. <laughs> so uh, I think that I think that Duke is for real. I think they've got enough depth, enough length. They've got enough experience. Um, I think putting Roach off the ball was a huge move because now – uh, he could play ahead of the defense. He catch the ball in reversals and draw closeouts. Uh, and Filipowski is a, is a problem because the guy gets to the line, and they are a monster offensive rebounding team. Filipowski reminds me of Leitner. What say you? Yeah, you know that, that's good. I know of these of these unlikable as much, but uh, I would say that he's got a little Leitner in him. Uh, you know, I went and watched him practice for a day and a half early in the season, and I was unimpressed with Filipowski. He was like mm-hmm. a soccer player. Every time he got knocked down, it took him a half hour to get up. It drove me crazy. <laughs> uh, John Sharp is Craig eventually just threw him out of practice when he acted like that. And, uh, and the guy, the guy's grown up. I mean, I, I'm really impressed with him. I think he, I think he's been really, really good. I mean, not, uh, that's an understatement. Just look. He's not settling to be a perimeter guy. He's a seven foot guy that can make a shot, but I, I don't care about that. He can make a shot. Go where you, go play your strap. He can drive it, spin, and get in the lane. He offers yep. rebounds and misses. He can duck you in and post up. Uh, pretty a willing passer. Uh, I've been really, really impressed with him. Seth Greenberg, nice enough to take some time with us. You can follow him on Twitter at Seth on Hoops. Coach, you already mentioned where you're at with Indiana. You want to see them either make it to the Big Ten final or win the whole thing. You need to see them string together a couple of victories and you have the, have those prove-it wins after big-time victories. Switching to the other side of the state, though, with Purdue, well, where's your pulse on the Boilermakers heading into not only their side of the Big Ten tournament, but, but their aspirations are still make it not just a deep run, but they'd love to have a Final Four banner up at Mackey. 
Yeah, I'm higher on Purdue than other people. You know, do they have warts? Yeah, they have warts. Do they have young guards? I, I look at, and, and Dan, you probably have a better feel for this because you've done it more recently than I have, but when you have freshman guards, and now you're in March, especially now when you play the freshman guard, they're not freshmen anymore. No. Those kids are so, yeah, I mean, those kids play too many minutes. You, you can't, you know, oh, my God, we are freshman guards. You've played them 30-plus minutes a game for 30 games. They've been in practice since, since you know, June. Uh, and especially where Matt coaches. So I, I don't think their guards are a liability. Uh, people get up underneath them. Can they take them out and push them out a step? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, that'll be interesting. But I also think that people aren't going to lean on Zach the way they did. I mean, I was the one that showed the best game plan to play against Zach Eden. They just threw a kiss and sink at him. And you know what? Make him a passer. Make those other guys beat you. Don't let Zach Eden play on his side. Then they throw over the top. Play behind him and he just backs you down. You know? Uh, you know, front him and he seals and they go high low because they run that little action where they pin him down in the middle or they or, or they bring first up to the top of the circle and they go high low. I'd say three, you know, push him out with an arm bar behind and then run the kitchen sink at him, get it out of his hands and then make sure you you, you cut him out off the glass. That's that's me. But I I think I think Purdue can make a run. I do. And you know what? I don't root for people because I'm in this position, but I'm a big Matt Painter fan. Uh, and, I, you know, I look at Matt right now like I looked at Jay before he went to the Final Four and won championships. And he's too good a guy, he's too good a coach, and he's too uh, doing it his own way uh, and not being bothered by all the static around it, the way he recruits. I love it. Are you calling any games or are you in studio the rest of the way? No, that's just a little thing, a little company called CBS and TNT and, and those guys. I'm, I'm a member of the four-letter network. Don't use it in a, prof- in a profane way, but uh, no, I'm up. I've got studio today, tomorrow, and Wednesday, twelve o'clock and three or uh, two o'clock, and then I'm off to Greensboro in the ACC tournament, and then we come back on Saturday night and we do SEC championship, and then we have a little thing called bracketology. I can't wait! I can't wait! Is this the best time of the year, Coach? Yeah, it's you know what it, it, it is, uh, especially if you're in it. <laughs> yeah, you know, when, you, when you're the first four out or whatever allegedly you are, it's probably not a lot of fun, as I can speak from experience. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I mean it, it is. Well, here's the thing, and I, I get a kick out of it. You guys are lit. You guys kind of live it, but uh, it's so interesting to me that we we are always updating the uh, football watching public like mm-hmm. the second week of February. And for those that were watching football, we're gonna update you on what's going on college. You can't watch two sports at the same time. Is it that <laughs> difficult? Like is it that difficult to say, you know what? I'm gonna I, I I'm gonna watch the Chiefs and then you know what? There's a great game on, you know, I'm gonna watch that game. I mean I don't like like come on, viewing public. I mean college basketball, each and every night, amazing finishes. It never disappoints. We can do two Ever. at once. Ever. And, and Jimmy wants to talk Colts all day, Coach. I mean, that's all he wants to talk about. It's not true. I love, well, I love college I basketball. A, can, I give you, can I give you a little advice here? Uh, I thought that you have to listen to me. Like, like if this is going to be a gig, which I personally think that is the best combination and you know, that you can have in the current moment is you two guys, I would say I will talk Colts until I'm blue in the face, but if they want to talk college basketball to the NBA, I'm more than able to do that. Just a little coaching right there. Yeah, that's we why know we, he is the coach. That's why he is the coach. We know we take that to heart. Last thing I had for you on my end, 
coach. You've talked a little bit about some of the top conferences and teams from those conferences. You're watching mid-major action. Obviously, you never know if teams could get bounced or not. But as we head into championship week, uh, who's a team we should watch out for from those ranks? Well, I'll tell you one thing. If Utah State gets in, watch out for Utah State because those dudes can pass and cut and make shots. They're the best shooting team maybe in the country. They're one of the top 20 probably in offensive efficiency. Ryan Oda, my former assistant's there. Not that I'm biased. But like those dudes can really, really shoot the ball. The Mountain West, even though they laid an egg last year, I think they're a conference you might want to keep an eye on a little bit. Uh, Boise State can really defend. I got a good start in five. I was really impressed with Drake yesterday. Yep. You know, people forget Roman Penn's about 40 years old. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, he played against Fife when he was. <laughs> he did. He did. Uh, I look younger uh, than him, too. Uh, yeah, and DeVries is, is, boy, he is a good, good, good player. I think they got the big kid Brody. He's like a 6'10", yep. big wide body kid. Uh, I think they have a toughness. They play with really good pace. Yep. They're a good defensive team, and they can make shots. Drake Drake's. Drake's an old team. Yeah, Drake's yeah. an interesting team to me. Uh, I'm, I'm really impressed. The game tonight, if, if, if Furman wins. Furman's backcourt. Uh, you know, Bothwell and, and Slauson, well, those two guys are pretty good. I'm not sure how good. You know, they didn't win those big games they had to in terms of uh, mm-hmm. in their non-conference. But, uh, but they, you know, they lost to NC State and those people. But uh, Furman's, Furman's pretty good. Bob Ritchie does a really good Furman job. Furman out of the SoCon. Asheville, North Carolina game tonight. Yeah, SoCon's uh, it's a well it's a well coached league. Yep. Very good, well coached league. Coach, thank you for making time for us. I know it's busy season for you. We're just excited for championship week as you are. Looking forward to following along from afar. You, two of the great ones, no doubt about it. Enjoy You're walks four through seven. <laughs> four through seven. We'll knock that thing out before four o'clock. Thank you, Coach. And and hook me up with Eric Church if you can. <laughs> Now that the show's over. <laughs> <laughs> That's the coach, Seth Greenberg. Gosh, he's the best. Oh, Follow him on man. Twitter, at Seth on Hoops. He's the best. You agree with his his path and everything? He, he, he closed down on your Tar Heels in terms of he's – in, he's in that mindset, though. He's ready to close yeah. all doors for the Tar Heels the rest of the day on ESPN yeah. programming. Yeah, he's right. I would agree. They they had their chances just because you haven't lost to good teams um, or haven't played them. Whatever he said, uh, yeah. I, I think Carolina's had their chances and their their last chance. It, it, otherwise, they have to win the ACC tournament to make the NCAA tournament. My opinion, um, but I could also see a Big Ten team losing early and maybe opening a slot out, uh, uh, opening a slot yep. for Carolina to to eke in, eke to eke. Sure, it's a good word. Have you been in that boat before uh, in your coaching career where you needed to win? down the stretch to have any shot particularly in the absolutely a couple times last year at indiana yep. before i was uh unemployed there sure uh, we had to uh, do that and my last year at michigan state we had to win a couple i think there were a couple times one we ended up going to the final four and i think that was 2015 we beat purdue and indiana uh in the last two games of the year to, to really kind of solidify us uh, it was interesting yesterday if michigan wins they get the second seed yeah. in the big 10 tournament if they lose which they did they go straight to the bubble nuts yeah and, and, and in the similar fashion they were talking about it in general wherever you consume big 10 coverage yesterday whether it was on espn or whether it was big 10 network that they thought about once we turn to december that 
last day of the season could be very, very interesting depending on how the rest of the conference unfolded and even down to the wire. Indiana was in the same boat. You lose that game, you're like an 8 or a 9 seed. Yeah. Uh, you're still a tournament team, but you're an 8 or 9 seed in the Big Ten versus you get the win, you could be as high as a 2. Yeah. And the Northwestern game, same thing. Northwestern loses, Indiana's a 2, and they're all the way down to the 8 or 9 line. It was a very wild and just thrilling day for the Big Ten conference just in terms of end of season play. Yeah. The, the, the Maryland comeback... I'm sorry, the Northwestern or the Penn State comeback yeah. on Maryland, the Indiana comeback on, mm-hmm. and then the Illinois comeback yep. on Purdue at Purdue. The Big Ten, I, hey, the the season could end now for the Big Ten. They've had a great season this year, the whole conference. And I don't want to hear about ref. Those refs are the same refs that ref. It's called a consortium. They ref all over the place, right. every conference. It's just a big melting pot of refs they don't just ref in the big 10 they ref in the acc they ref in the big east they ref in the big 12 they ref in the pac 12 they ref in the missouri valley did i miss anybody the mountain west thank you eddie they ref in the mountain (laughs) west i saw kelly pfeiffer doing a wyoming game like last week there you go and then that a week before he's having a staring contest with fran mccaffrey or as Izzo will call him, Franny. My buddy Franny. Hey, Franny. <laughs> Coach, you're the only one that calls me Franny, but keep calling me Franny. Never daunted. Indeed. That's Jimmy. Let's stay in Fife. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. We'll build off of that point. Coach mentioning that it's been a continued narrative of complaining and yelling and shouting from fan bases about Big Ten officiating. But the other side of that coin is, well, things will open up once we get to the NCAA tournament. Well, if it's the same officials and a rotation of officials regardless of a nightly base in the Big Ten. How much does that really matter? That and more, plus 2 hey, o'clock. Tony East going to join us, talk a little Pacers. And a bonus. Yeah? I'm bringing us back from commercial next. I love it. Let's do it on 93.5. We are pointing at each other. This and 107.5. It, it, it feels very intimate, the I'm, fan. I'm done if you're done. <laughs> Me too. We'll be back. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And welcome back to the show. Gosh, it gets me fired up. Eddie, Eric Church. Hang Sting. It's a jam. Jimmy? Oh, yeah. It's a jam. It is a jam, Indeed. Eddie? <laughs> yes, sir. Guys, who's winning the NCAA tournament right now? Well, going into today, I had similar feelings about your team that you think is going to win it. So I don't want to pick the same one. So I'm going to pause and regroup because I, I've I've been pretty high on Kansas all year. No, I'll take Kansas off the board. I'll say Arizona. Uh, I'll say Arizona. So- you're going with the Wildcats. Going with the Wildcats of Arizona. And Eddie. I'll go a little off script. I'll take Marquette. Ooh. You know what, Eddie? I watched Marquette play at Butler a week ago, and I was inc- very impressed. They've got size. They've got guard. Their, their guards are massive. And they have a good coach. Shaka can go. Yeah. What did you think of Hinkle? It was your I first love, time, right? First, first college game. Awesome. I was... Um, I... It, the nostalgia, the crowd, it was a good atmosphere. Um, Butler didn't play well. And Marquette's very good. I, the, the only disappointment was the food. 
I tried to sneak into some of the alumni gatherings that had a little bit more of a selection of food. Sure. Maybe get a free bottle of water. Uh, it did not work. Um, I was shut out of both alumni gathering events, so I did not get any free food or free bottled water. Uh, I almost tapped into the Dippin' Dots, but otherwise I was a little disappointed in the food at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Just not enough of a selection. I've not been able to get out to Hinkle this season. In the past, though, there's been Chick-fil-A, there's been, there's been Qdoba. I don't know what the lineup is off the top of my head this year, but um, overall game atmosphere, though. I mean, I just didn't go Butler's way, but... Amazing. Great seats. Thanks, Greg Oden. Great seats. Yep. Greg Oden. Former Lawrence North superstar, Ohio State Buckeye, and now Butler graduate assistant. Yes. Who's your team then? Rock Chalk, Jayhawk, KU. <laughs> and when did they grab your heartstrings and, and I lock and in Dane Five selection? I went and watched the Jayhawks a couple weeks ago. Okay. And I. I was so impressed with their culture, just how their players hold each other accountable. Um, I wouldn't have said that earlier in the year. I watched them play Indiana. I wouldn't have said that earlier in the year. But after seeing they've they've got size, and their size is playing its role. Their size isn't trying to go and get buckets. Their big guys are doing what they need to do to help Kansas win, and it allows – uh, guys like Jalen Wilson and McCuller uh, to, to make the plays and do the things that they need to do to win games. And I just think Kansas is going to be a really tough out because, one, Bill Self's one of the best in the business, and, two, they've got, they've got the talent. Um, but I, I would say this. I, I, I think you're right about Arizona, too. I, I don't see them as far off. And, and Eddie, I'm going to give you some props and uh, – say that Marquette could very well be my dark horse. What do you think about Houston? You know, I need to watch Houston more. All I know, uh, Kelvin Sampson is is what Kelvin Sampson uh, is known for. His teams are known to be tough, physical, um, um, rugged, uh, just defending, hard-playing teams. Uh, I probably should have watched that Memphis game. Uh, but I, what I need to do is watch a little bit more Houston and a little less of Doncic getting in the face of Devin Booker. <laughs> Who'd have won that fight? Luca. Yeah, I'll go, go with Luca. Doncic. Yeah. You mentioned the Big 12. Seth mentioned the Big 12. A lot of hype around the Big 12 being arguably the best conference in college basketball this year. I still obviously, being a Big 10 country, would go with the Big 10, but looking at the Big 12 from afar, is that overhyped or genuinely from top to bottom are they the best in the land in your mind i don't know if they're the best from top to bottom but i know this kansas baylor texas a&m texas and kansas state and i'm probably missing one there iowa state maybe eddie's kind of bouncing his head back he might have just he might have just dozed off (laughs) but i I think i might be missing one but I, i think the big 12 has the best group of teams if if I if that makes sense, yeah, I still think uh, top to bottom it's probably the Big Ten, but it's so funny. And I had an argument with a coach who shall rename shall remain nameless. He came, he's from the SEC, and he man, the Big Ten's 
you know, they're never good. They're they're overrated. When's the last time they've won a national championship? And you know what I say? Well, the reason why the out of the conferences like the SEC are good, I'm gonna throw this out there. Because they pay players. Well, now you can everybody can pay players, for, so the playing field is leveled. Sure, but SEC they're used to buying players. Big Ten doesn't cheat like that. So, but now the playing field's level. Everybody can cheat. So, building off of that, are you saying I don't want to misquote you? Are you saying that with NIL being so active and present now that the fortune should turn in theory for Big Ten success in the tournament? Yes. Yes, Big Ten, uh, you're going to see a lot uh, more Big Ten teams that are going to be viable and in real reality get to Final Fours here. If not this year, it's coming quickly. When you look at a team, and you mentioned them a couple times early in the show, like Northwestern, and it's easy from maybe a casual IU or, or Purdue fan or, or Michigan State fan to, to kind of brush them off as, all right, it's the another once in a blue moon, but the, really the second time in the last seven years when you look at it from Northwestern's perspective that they're a tournament team where do you view them not only what they can do in the Big Ten tournament and I know a lot of it depends on draw so it's hard to sit here on Monday of championship week to say it but where can they go where, where, where have you seen from their body of work this year of the type of team they can be are they a second weekend team well they're very guard reliant sure and I'll tell you what Northwestern does well is they guard I mean, the fact that they go in to Rutgers yesterday, I don't think anybody would have given them a chance and win that game. I don't think they'd beat them down the way that they did. No, they did. No. And and Rutgers scores in the 50s on their home floor, and I hope I got that right. Um, That'll go at the end of the show, corrections, right? I got it (laughs) wrong. Like, pardon the interruption. Hold that Rutgers on their home floor. In the rack! In the the 50s. Um, I, I give them credit. That... They won me over. The Northwestern Wildcats have won me over officially. I think that this will be this will go down as probably the best team in Northwestern history, regardless of how they do in the NCAA tournament. I do think they can do some damage, though. I think they can get to the second weekend because their guard play, they can score, they can fill it up, and they can check the the, the whole team. I mean, they've Chris Collins has himself some Warriors, and that's that's how they're winning. I asked, I think, Seth this earlier in the year, and at the time, Northwestern wasn't where they were, so it's a hard question to ask. And when you look at the body of work of Northwestern since that last NCAA tournament appearance six years ago, there's been a lot of downs. That being said, is this Chris Collins last year, do you think, if they make some noise? You think he's going to get scooped up by somewhere bigger? You think Northwestern is the right spot for him? You think he's going to the Bulls? the Bulls <laughs> I was thinking my, I have a better college job I don't know about the Bulls Look, maybe <laughs> I, I guess when when I think about if if I'm a head coach in the Big Ten or anywhere for me it's can I have a chance to win a national championship and or or is my family happy yeah you know is my family happy am I happy uh, but most importantly, is my family happy? Those are kind of the two things that coaches have to go through in their head. Um, and then there's the coach that says, "Well, look, I'm making six hundred grand, two hundred grand. Would I be happier if I make three point four at Texas, <laughs> uh, Oregon?" Uh, <laughs> sure. Then there's that factor. 
Uh, but by and large, I think it's a question of you kind of have to weigh your, your 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 options, and it's family and winning. You know what what, and then job stability. And I think Chris Collins will earn himself a nice contract extension um, after the season, if not now, because I think if you're an athletic director, you're thinking. All right, this guy knows how to build a program and maintain a program. That's a big part is maintain. And it's it's just hard. It's hard to maintain at Northwestern under the current conditions. And it's been proven year in and year out that it's hard to build and maintain a program at Northwestern. Which makes it even all the more remarkable that not only did they fade back into the it's very hard to build a program the last five years, but yeah. continuing to build it back up to the point that they're going to have another tournament appearance here this year. Yeah, I, hey, look, it's like this. You know, you got 107.5, 93.5. Yeah. They've got you and I together right now. with, And you throw in Eddie, that's like... Got a big three right there. That's like icing on Eddie's cake. Yep. Right? <laughs> Extra oh, yeah. icing, because I know you're going icing. How are they going to top this, Jimmy? And I don't want you to... I don't want to put words in your mouth. I don't want you to answer for him, but... In my opinion, it's it's almost impossible. It's like everything go is is goes down from here. You got to get Eric Church on. That'd be that'd make yeah. it half oh. half halftime Northwestern. Maybe that could do it. I, I just I can't believe. I, and I watch College Game Day, and I don't want to go into a huge soliloquy about this. But I'm watching College Game Day, and Eric Church is on College Game Day, and Jay Billis. I know Jay just to throw that out there and Seth Greenberg I know Seth I don't know um uh LaFonso Ellis I don't know him I've met him but don't know him I know Jay Williams and then Reese Davis and and I'm asking myself does one of these guys do one of these guys even listen to Eric Church do they even listen to him what do you think the answer in my head said I think the answer in your head said no no and I wanted it to say no because I wanted to be even more (laughs) PO'd than I was Sure. And it's interesting. Last year, and then I'll be done. Um, I got eight tickets to the Eric Church concert here, and and I think it was at Gamebridge. I have no idea. But it might have been at Lucas. Let's just say it was at Gamebridge, just so we can Downtown Indy. Downtown Indy. And all we had to do is we played Illinois at 2 p.m. All we had to do was beat Illinois. And I'll be damned. Guess what happened to the Hoosiers? And I'm on staff before I got de-staffed. Um, guess what happened? Kofi Colburn came in and beat the Hoosiers. It wasn't a butt, but I just I felt guilty. I, I couldn't go to the concert. I didn't want to be seen out celebrating and, and basically singing Eric Church's songs for him. I didn't want to be seen doing that. So I gave up my tickets, and I saw where they saw where they were friend of mine sent a the guy gave him two sent me a photo of his seats and boy oh boy uh i'm still still angry at kofi coburn for that one don't blame you don't blame you one bit heartbreaker (laughs) that's the coach dane fife i'm jimmy cook we're gonna take a quick break still to come tony east gonna join us top of the hour get his thoughts on where the pacers stand over these final 15 or so games as they make their push for the play-in tournament. But when we come back, are the Bears asking too much for the number one overall pick? We'll get the latest reported 
price the Bears are seeking for, and if it's too rich for the Colts' blood. Stay in five. I'm Jimmy Cook. Back in a moment on The Fan. Back here on The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Midday show, Jimmy Cook and Dane Fife. Thanks for hanging with us throughout the afternoon. Still to come, Tony East of Sports Illustrated covers the Pacers for them as well as Locked On Pacers going to join us. I can't wait to hear Tony. Always enjoying talking to Tony East, particularly as we continue to crunch the numbers and get closer to the Pacers' quest either from the players and coaches' standpoint to make the play in and from a fan standpoint, why are the wins continuing to pile up against other bad teams? <laughs> but that's for another segment for another time. Right now, I want to dive into the Colts for just a second. Combine just behind us. And the thought is that if you want to get your guy, Dane, you got to trade up to go get him. Well, Bears GM Ryan Poles... This from Peter King. Zach Kiefer mentioning this earlier on Twitter as well. Bears GM Ryan Poles confident he can swap a first-round pick this year and get a first in 2024 and 2025. Jimmy. That's too rich for my blood. Jimmy. Well done. Well done, Eddie. A lot of booze. Edward, I'd like you to preface this with a cheer. Here's, <laughs> here's what I'm going to say. And I'm only going to say this 37,000 more times. Okay, good. Because you got a lot of time between now and the draft. Carson Wentz still available? Oh, man. Is he still available? You know what to play. You know what to play. Eddie, is Carson Wentz still available? <laughs> I got off. No, 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 one, no one has signed him. Keep your pick. Get somebody on the defensive side or an offensive lineman. Obviously... Chance you won't make the playoffs. So you're off the board on all the QBs. I am off the board. You're not even wait at four and take one. You don't want a quarterback from this class. Go get you a good one next year. It can change so quick. I just don't think that these QBs are game changers. I mean, next year's class, with Caleb Williams highlighting that class, uh, you're not going to hear me argue from you that next year is not higher upside. What you will hear arguments for, and let's take Wentz off the table for just a second, because you and I had that argument last week, and genuinely speaking, that's not something Jim Mercy is going to do. Like, regardless of if you or I think it's a good idea or a bad well, we're idea. We're going to talk to Chapel. Chapel and I we're got to Chapel tomorrow. Chapel, it, it, he knows Jim Irsay more than I do. He did. It sounded like when you brought it up with him, he was more in my camp. That it's like, not, it's hey, not happening. Look, I, know, I know Jim, and Jim told me it's not going to happen. Well, we'll, t- we'll see if Chappie's changed his mind. Let's take Wentz off the table and just look at another year underneath a Band-Aid quarterback is what it would be if you don't get someone in this year's class. Right. And it might be that to start the season anyway if you don't throw him to the fire. If you get Bryce Young, you get C.H. Stroud. But in your mind, it's not enough to move the needle, not even for that price point, but at all to go up and get a quarterback is not in your recipe for success for the Colts this draft. I don't think it's I don't think it's the right time. I okay. think that there's other places you need to solidify. Solidify your offensive line and a quarterback will come. You build it. Eddie, finish it. And the people will come. <laughs> and they will, and the QB will come. I love. I that mean, movie. you're still, nice you're still have to draft. You're still have to draft your quarterback, whether it's this year or next year. Not necessarily, because in theory, they had the best offense line in football, not just with Wentz, but with Ryan and with Rivers. And the best it got out of that trio is one playoff appearance and a loss to the Bills on Wild Card Weekend. You know what? I'm a Lions fan. I don't know anything. About- <laughs> 
Well, that's that's called that's that's my version of pleading the fifth. So so look, I, I think they've got a problem with the offensive line. No I doubt, think, and we're I think both in agreement on the that. theory of that is is off base. Maybe we've got some, you know. The, well, that's not off base. You're you're 100 right. I mean, that's clearly uh, not clearly that I'm right, but clearly <laughs> that clearly they have something wrong with their offensive yeah. line. I think that you know the, the nagging small injuries maybe added up last year. I don't know, but what they have to prove, okay, is that they can block, mm-hmm. and that they can block as a unit and block for their QB. And as Eddie just said, you build it, the QB will come. <laughs> he was technically coaxed into saying that. You asked him to meet you yeah, halfway I, on the I had, bridge. I had, for all you YouTubers, I had my arm cocked with this orange football aiming right at Eddie's mustache. Definitely come. <laughs> when I see three first rounders, that's including a swap, which would happen anyway, going up from four to one, that's too rich for me. Come on. Regardless man. of the position. I, I I can't do three first rounders, even for Bryce Young. How often, how, how many three, I, I mean, we need another Jimmy factoid, but. How often are quarterbacks, are there not three first-round QBs? Three first-round picks given up to go get them? Oh, okay. Is that I what you're asking? You're talking, no, no, three first-round QBs. <sighs> I know it yeah, happened just, in the 21 draft because you had Trey yep. Lance, Mac Jones. Yes. Oh, who's the third one? But it's a minimum, not, a minimum of draft. two. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we, court, every team needs a QB more than anything, right? Well, not not they, every team, but every NFL draft, you've got teams that whether or not they pan out or not is a more That's research story. But in terms of the selections happening, more often than not, you see quarterbacks taken because they're the most important position in the game, right? I think last year or two years ago, it had been the first time since like 95 that there had only been one quarterback taken in the first round. Did you just ignore Eddie's break sign he gave you? I was going to give you a chance to respond Eddie, before I ignored you. I'm applauding you for knowing that's the break sign. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I pay attention every now, every once in a while. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We come back, we'll have a Eddie's conversation. Eddie's going to kick Jimmy's ass. Eddie's going Eddie's gonna to beat me up during the break, apparently. And take then Tony East off. will join us. Give him a wedgie. <laughs> Talk Pacers, see where they're at as we approach the home stretch of the Pacers season. You're on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Happy Monday. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. To you, Jimmy Cook and Dane Fife here on The Fan from the DriveHuber.com studios. Already got your college hoops fix with Don Fisher and Seth Greenberg a little bit earlier. We now head to the pro level. One of our favorites he is Tony East of SI.com and Locked On Pacers podcast. Tony, thank you as always for making the time. I need your help with something because it's it's, it's guilt-riddenness that is coming after me the last couple of days. Oh I, I'm, I continue to be on the tank train at times, but then I see a game winner, and I'm a sucker for a game winner. I'm a sucker when it's a player like Tyrese Halliburton and when it's the Bulls on the road. I mean, it... it Why'd you where, point at me? I'm where, a Pistons Where, where do you land with this team? I'm pointing everywhere. I like the point. I'm point just moving around. I got a lot of high energy right now. Quit telling the audience that I'm a Bulls fan. I'm a Pistons fan. Sorry, Tony. But appreciate the clarification. I like the Pacers, too. Speaking of which, Tony, where, where should I be? Where, where's, your, where's your mindset on this team with about 15, 16 games left to go? Where, where, where are we at with a nice performance against the Bulls and two out on the lost side of a play-in spot? Yeah, it's no secret that 
It was a good draft. Uh, you know, Wembanyama, it's good Henderson at the top. No surprises. I mean, I think either of them would have gone number one and probably every draft back since Zion and Morant at least. Um, they're, they're great. And it's not just them that makes this such an appealing draft for teams with great players mixed in all the way down to six, seven, eight, depending on how you feel about certain guys at the college level or the overtime elite program. So there's certainly some uh, points to be made about, you know, getting the best pick possible, especially at whatever you, you want to call the Pacers' current position, uh, year one, year 1.5, whatever it is of a rebuild. Uh, but that said, they internally certainly would like to push for that play in that playoff spot, right? Chris Duarte said it last night. Matherin said it just after the All-Star break right there. Right there, they, most of the players on this team have not ever played in any sort of playoff play-in game, any atmosphere like that. They're so close now. Beating the Bulls really helped them uh, on that pursuit. They're only, what did you say, one and a half, two games behind yep. the Wizards now. So right within striking distance of 10, I think they have one more against the Wizards this year too. So uh, there there always is, is both sides to the coin, but I think for a young team, you know, it, it, it's hard to even do anything to, you know, I don't even know what to call it, not tanking, but, you know, it's hard to do anything that would cause them to, to lose. They're already playing a bunch of young guys and winning. So I think they're going to continue to push for the play-in and get the valuable development out of this team. Tony, on that same fence, in my mind, at some point you're going to reach a point of no return where if I am in the tank boat, I'm jumping out and I'm swimming back to shore of playing island because – the more they win games like this, whether it's against the Magic, uh, whether it's against uh, the Bulls, obviously it didn't happen against the Spurs, but if they pick up all three of those wins, suddenly I'm looking at where they're at. It's like, all right, maybe it's better to root for them to make the play-in. Where, where is that point of no return as you look at the next three or four for the Pacers? Yeah, there's just not that many games left, right? So the, 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 I'm sure they have something in their in their internally, like a number in their head of, okay, if we're, you know, if we're four games out or three games out at any point the rest of the way, uh, you know, okay, we got to think about what our long-term situation, right? It's just not possible or or reasonable for us to think we could catch whatever Washington, Toronto, whoever's in that nine ten spot. But uh, you know, they have a not super hard schedule still for the next week or so that could allow them to still make some progress up the standings. Uh, so I, I think for them, it's just going to be assessing where they're at. Like if the Bulls make a run, for example, they have the exact same record right now. Uh, if the Bulls suddenly surge into tenth and they're too far ahead to catch or whatever it is that's when you, the points of no returns come, or even the flip side, where if the Pacers themselves lose a couple winnable games, and they even if the Wizards or our Raptors continue to struggle, but they can't catch up because of their own doing, then maybe you think about, okay, what's best for the long term of this team? Is it more minutes for other young guys that aren't playing? You know, whatever it happens to be. I think the point of no return is probably something like three or four games, because there's only about 15 to go. That's a huge gap to catch up at this point in the season. Uh, but I don't know what that number is. I, I would guess it's about four, but th- that's kind of what they have to consider late, this late in the campaign. Tony, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here. You're the head coach, okay, <laughs> of the Indiana Pacers. All right. You've been told by your GM, Jimmy Cook, Jimmy, you're on the spot too, that if you don't win the world championship next year, okay, you're fired. All right, now, perfect scenario. Who do the Indiana what what do the Indiana Pacers need? What pieces do they need? What voids do they need to fill in order to be world champions next year? Is it a I guess in other words is it a do the, a veteran, a rookie? What's the perfect scenario for you in the draft or in the free agency market? What's the perfect scenario head coach Tony East? 
Well, if we're going to win a championship next year, we are going to need some forward depth pretty badly. I think GM Jimmy could agree with me on yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, you know, they've had good success stories at those spots this year. Jordan Wara looks really good since they got him at the deadline, and Neesmith's been a wonder as a defender for this team. But you know, they're going to need more at that spot on really both ends from a total package. And so if they can get someone really impactful at that spot, it would go a long way and in helping them play their style and defend better on a nightly basis, right? All these games they lose with, with their current star, Tyrese Halbert, now suggest that they have a big talent gap away from winning the title. And I think that in a lot of those games, what you see is, you know, when the, the, the Pacers can't play to their identity, which requires them to get stops to run and transition a little more. And if they had a better defender or a better four that could, you know, help in that quest, I think that would help them establish our identity a little more. And also it would help them score more, which all of a sudden you're not playing as much transition defense. You all understand the snowball effect there, but any forward helps them just connect so many pieces of their team that they're missing. And there's some good players in the draft at that spot. There's some decent free agents this summer. What types uh, of, what types of, uh, who, who are we talking? I mean, I guess just throw a few examples out there of what you, you would envision coach Tony East in in the Pacers, in in what would help the Pacers the most, the type of forward you're referring to? What are some names? In the draft, Jarris Walker from Houston would be a great fit with what he's able to do uh, around the NBA. Just like what they had with TJ Warren, that sort of player prototype. Not even TJ Warren specifically necessarily, although he would be a free agent this summer, ironically enough. But someone who can score, be a big body, and can also defend and you know, just give them advantages that they don't have right now, right? That's the biggest hole on this team where they're really lacking. They, they, they very rarely on a night or a possession-to-possession basis have, you know, consistent advantages at the forward spot that they can use to their to play to their identity or to have a good defensive possession, whatever it may be. So uh, just a, a guys who fit sort of that mold because yeah. Albert and Mather are going to have the ball just so much for this team, right? Right? rightly so, uh, this year, next year, whatever our, our, our title plan and goal is. So, Guys who can do stuff with the ball, especially as like a, a play finisher and can defend, seem like perfect fits. But I'll defer to GM Jimmy to uh, make the ultimate name yeah. pick. Yeah, well, GM Jimmy's notoriously cheap. The guy won't even <laughs> give his daughter lunch money for school. <laughs> I don't have a daughter. Dog. <laughs> Tony East taking some time with us. You can follow him on Twitter at T East NBA. Tony, this number is a bit inflated with the injury of Tyrese Halliburton taking up as much of the season as it did, but 21 different starting lineups for the Pacers this season. <laughs> and <laughs> on this home stretch, we continue to debate whether it's more minutes for Benedict Matherin or, or it's a change or two here or there in the lineup. What kind of fine-tuning or adjustments do you expect, anticipate, or want to see in these final 15? Or are we pretty much set in stone of the minutes allotment for this home stretch push? Yeah, I think that when, you know, what we were talking about earlier with what's your pull the plug point or go for a point, right? I think that's kind of what that would look like is more experimenting with those lineups. Like, for example, if, if they just, if they determine they're out of it, right? Is there a way that they could find ball handling or point guard minutes for Andrew Nembard, right? Because that's what his role was his entire life on Team Canada and World Cup play at Gonzaga, right? In high school, whatever level you go back to, he's been a one. And, on this team, he hasn't had those opportunities very often, and uh, on the rare occasion he has, things have looked good, right? You can remember that Golden State game on the road and, and point to that, obviously, but there's been more moments than that. Whereas what he's doing now, more 2 3 role, defensive minded approach, like that's all been good for the team, but is not what his background suggests that he's the best at, right? So not even just him, there's other guys that 
that could potentially have slightly tweaked roles. Like, do you want to explore Isaiah Jackson at the four a little more? That's something that they were excited about when they picked him, right? Those sorts of things, I think, are are what they could be looking to, to kind of play with and experiment with if uh, if the wheels do fall off. Because right now, it's hard it's hard for me to imagine anyone in a, that they could move to a more optimized role without sacrificing someone else doing what they're good at, right? Like, they, they're just so kind of perimeter and guard heavy that it's not easy for them to make a lot of those toggles, which is why, you know, the, the, the nightly debate is who's going to be the backup center. Yep. Is it Jalen Smith? Is it Daniel Tice? Is it Isaiah Jackson? Because everything else is set in stone, right? It's kind of clear what everybody needs to do and where everybody needs to be. So uh, I think that's kind of what that would look like down the stretch of the season. But until until there's a point of, of no return or whatever you want to call it, I think we'll see a lot of similar rotations that we've seen recently in the next couple of games. Second night of a back-to-back for the Sirs tonight when they play Philadelphia. 7-5 and five on the season on the second night of a back-to-back. For you against a, a top-tier contender, against a positioning spot that Indiana would like to be in, I don't want to I mean, Dane already did put the pressure on them of winning a championship for you, Coach East, but an area of the Eastern Conference they'd like to be in the upper echelon here the next year or so. A measurement game, but as much as where does this team go from here the rest of the way, what are you most looking at tonight against Philly? Yeah, well, the big one to me, right, is you're, you're getting James Harden leading the league in assists versus Halliburton in second, right? What, what, how does that matchup end up? shaking out two of the best combo of passing and scoring guards up there with like Trey Young and Steph in the entire league, right? Can, can Tyrese Halliburton hold his own in that matchup and keep the Pacers in this game, right? They, they did take Philly to overtime earlier this season. You know, they've shown that they can play with the Sixers team, but Joel Embiid did not play in that game, right? And he, he obviously has been a Pacers killer for, for forever, basically. So for the Pacers to have a chance, I think they're going to need a good, a good Halliburton game. And, you know, he's dealing with a calf injury. He hurt his ankle last night. He said his ankle's all good. But at the same time, a back-to-back with a muscle injury is maybe not something the Pacers want to push at this point in the season. So if he plays, uh, I think seeing how he can fare against one of the best in the league at, at his position and with his skill set is going to be huge. And obviously for the Pacers, you know, if you're going to want to beat these teams, you have to at some point figure out how to at least sort of slow down the best players in the league. No team has figured out how to slow down Joel Embiid, right? There's a reason he's so good. Uh, but the Pacers notoriously have been bad about that for years and years and years, and it's just so tough to do. Like again, no team has the blueprint to doing so, or else he wouldn't be averaging, you know, thirty-three and ten. But right. you know, showing some signs of life of making him uncomfortable, or having some sort of scheme that you could say, "Oh man, you know, if this game was important or mattered, they could lean on this for a few possessions to change the game in their favor, or you know, be something that Coach Tony or, in this case, Coach Carlisle could use in a in a postseason setting." I think those are things that that they should like to be looking for in games like this against the best in the league. Tony, who's who's the best player in the NBA? Who's who's the MVP? Uh, I, the MVP and the best player are different discussions, but I think the MVP certainly is Nikola Jokic this year. Just, I mean, he, a triple double on the efficiency he's having is is impossible, and he gets defended by two or three guys every possession. But he's such a good passer that it, it doesn't matter. And the defense is a little better. And Denver has the top record in the best conference right now. I mean, it's hard for me to not pick him given his statistical profile and team success. I think the best player is still Steph. I've thought it's Steph Curry for years and years and years, uh, but certainly as an as a regular season achievement award, uh, Nikola Jokic is having the best season, I think. Who do you think wins in a wrestling match? Me, Jimmy, or Eddie? <laughs> <laughs> is this part of my uh, pursuit of an NBA title next yes. year? Yes. Team building, yeah. 
team team uh, building. Man, I don't know who will take offense the most to this answer. I gotta go with Eddie. I think. Uh, Let's go. Yeah. yeah. I think he's got the fire to, to yeah. make that happen. Eddie's packing. Let's go. Hey, uh, <laughs> last question then. Let's talk NCA. Who wins the national championship in the men's division? Man, there there's like no dominant teams that make that an easy pick this year, right? It's a uh, it's a more open field than in years past. I, I'd be biased to pick my own Hoosiers, obviously, but uh, you know, there's no team that you think is so threatening that it's going to be easy to pick them. I really like what Houston is doing this year. I, I like the, the size of that team, and I like teams that are traditionally good defenders. I think they fare well to to do well in the tournament. So if I had to pick, I would pick Houston, but that, that seems like a boring pick because they've they're been number one for so long this year, but I, I think i got to go with the Cougars. Jeez, that is boring. Are you making it up? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> do, I need to, do I need to pick a Big Ten team uh, to, for the fun of it? No, I'd prefer you uh, move over and pick. Oh, yeah, you did say Eddie would win. Yeah. Because he, 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 <laughs> he's the only one that wrestles in tights. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, you making it up for any Big Ten tournament action? I, I saw you, obviously, at the United Center for Pacers uh, Bulls, or is that just because you're following the team a little bit when they're when they're close to this area? Yeah, I, if IU makes a deep run, I might I might get up there, but I, 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 it depends. And it also depends, of course, on the Pacers' schedule, potentially overlapping with them. If there's another IU-Purdue game and it's in the tournament, I will, I'll be wow. first in line for tickets. Wow. Similar line of questioning, we talked a little bit about what the Pacers are going to do, but from Indiana's standpoint, a couple Hoosiers that would like to be able to see themselves the next level, Jalen Hochefino and Trace Jackson Davis obviously come to mind. Uh, from what you've seen from them this year, obviously Jalen would be a one-and-done. Uh, Trace concluding his path at Indiana. Uh, where do you see them lining up in a deep preview uh, for June's draft? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. You know, Trace is so interesting at his age. Uh, now, like, the mobile big is really popular in the NBA because the game is so much faster now and there's so many more possessions. And he is pretty mobile at the same time. It's also a very much perimeter-oriented league, and he has not shown much as a, you know, behind-the-three-point line threat, not even as a shooter or playmaker or anything. So what kind of wins that? What it seems like? I know one team that really liked him a few years ago, but that was, I think, pre-COVID. I was having those discussions about him. So I don't know where uh, – stand on him now. I could see him being a second-round pick kind of guy, though. His production is super hard to ignore. And, yeah, Hood Shafino, what a, what a year he's had. He, I mean, the, the, the player type that he is, able to score so well in the pick-and-roll and rise up over it seemed, seemingly anybody and just control the pace of a game is, is so valuable. I think Some people have asked me if I think he'd go in the lottery. I don't know about that high, but certainly seems like he could be a first-round guy this year. That said, you know, the 2024 draft class, way worse than the 2023 class. Is it worth it to get picked several slots higher and stay in school, I, that's not for me to decide. But you know, I, I do wonder that kind of thing with a guy like him. Tony, I want to shift the conversation right back to the Pacers really quick. Uh, Jordan Nora got his first start yesterday. He's played really well off the bench for India so far since coming over from Milwaukee. What have you seen so far uh, from him in a Pacers uniform? Yeah, the scoring was the thing I think the Pacers were excited about with him. Right, He had 14 points against them not, much, not, or not long before the trade deadline, and his whole career, he's been, you know, a pretty good three-point shooter. The two-point shot hasn't totally been his weapon. Off the dribble game has has not totally been something he's had to pursue in Milwaukee. But I think here, the thing, two things have stood out to me. You know, he's made the threes that he's been asked to take, especially from the corners. He's looked good, but he has shown some off the dribble bounce. Like he had two huge plays in the last two minutes last night. One of which that led to an offensive rebound and a buddy healed, I think, three-pointer, and the other one that he finished himself that. You know, in a one-point game at the time were huge buckets, right? He, he did pretty well with that starting group, I thought, just by providing size. And then the thing he's done that I didn't know he 
he would be adding so much to the team is rebounding. He's been really good on the glass, especially the offensive glass for this Pacers team. And, you know, if you've watched any Pacers game this year, you know that rebounding is not a skill that this team particularly has, especially because they, they play so small. So I, I think the shooting and, and scoring is obviously valuable. You know, there's a reason they've been trotting him out there and seeing what they have with them, and he's done a good job in those areas. But adding a little bit of off-the-dribble game and uh, rebounding the ball as well as he has, I think has made it more valuable. And, and I think that – you know, with him and Neesmith and Jalen Smith, right, a big thing for them is, you know, we, we, we've talked about this ad nauseum of, you know, you go from a contender to a team like the Pacers that's more focused on development, you, you get more chances to play. But the other thing is, you know, when, when Jordan Wara, for example, is with the Bucks, right, he, he's asked more to work on his shooting, get good at shooting. You're, you, when you're out there, you're going to shoot threes off of the Stars' passes. With the Pacers, it's not about working on the skills that, well, you know, help the Pacers if they're contending or in the playoffs or whatever. It's about developing all of his skills, right? It's a more development-based environment. And so I think you see him get to explore a little more and show off a little more of his game. And that's been big for him and the team so far. He's looked pretty good. Tony, you're on the home stretch. Pacers are on the home stretch. I'm not going to play this audio later, I promise you. But just to get your pulse on it, putting the analyst hat on, is this team in the play-in by the time we're talking with each other at the end of April or the start of April? You know, they still have a winning record with Halliburton plays. So I think if Halliburton plays every game, they have a pretty good shot at it. Uh, but it, it's because it's out of their control and they, they're still chasing teams, I would say I would put the odds below 50%, but I still think, you know, if they have Tyrese, they could win any game. And so it, it, it's basically a coin flip in my head. It's Tony East on the beat for the Pacers for Sports Illustrated. You can find his work also on Forbes, WTHR.com, and of course the Locked on Pacers podcast covers the fever as well at the next hoops. Giving coverage for them. Anything I missed? Anything else you want to plug on the way out the door? <laughs> that was great, Jimmy. Thank you. Appreciate you always for making the time, Tony. Of course. Thanks for having me. Always. See you, Tony. That's Tony East. You can follow him on Twitter at TEastNBA. Similar standpoint for you in terms of where this team is at right now. You think they Ultimately, can and will make a push in the plan. I like that's the a key. It's a key cognizant. I like Tony's Halliburton. Theory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, as long as they got him and he's healthy, they yep. got a shot. Yeah, I, I not gonna argue that. I go from pundit to fan back and forth of what is best for the franchise right now, and I agree with you that bringing in a veteran or bringing in another piece next year is necessary, along with whatever you do in the draft. But people keep pointing to, oh, well, they have. Three first-round picks this year. They can just trade up. I mentioned this last week. The last of those two first-rounders are going to be bottom of the order. They're basically high seconds. It's like 29th and 30th. No one's... You're not getting Wembenyama, and you're probably not going to get Scoot you with those three it, picks. Is it Scooter or Scooter? I, just I, Scoot. Scoot. Oh, Scoot. Oh, he, oh, just he took Scoot. the A off. Because it used to be Scooter. I've only heard it as Scoot, but I'm not going to... So I think this. I'm not going to criticize you, or I think they have to get with those last couple picks. They got to find a way to get Trace Jackson Davis on their roster. Yeah. A and B. To me, even if it's Wimbiano, and it's not going to be most likely. Yeah. The Pacers have to get the right people, not necessarily the best. They don't. To me, they don't need a superstar. They need the best pieces to fit. And maybe it is Big Victor. Who wouldn't want seven five that can play point guard? Yeah, but I think it. The, and most importantly, it's not going to be a superstar big three team to me. It's going to be just one heck of a basketball team. Well, as his ascension continues, you can make the argument they already have that, and they want to believe that in Tyrese Halliburton. 
Kind of like the way the Miami Heat did it a couple years ago, got to the finals. Sure. And yes, Jimmy Butler and all, but I mean. It was Butler and, and a great cast around yeah. him. I mean, I no disrespect to Bam, but I mean, it, he was the main attraction yeah, in terms was. of star it power. Was. Yeah. And he was their heart and soul. Yeah. I mean, he was their guts. He was the one that was probably running the locker room. And by all accounts, you know, he was he was a great piece to that puzzle. But yet, he was their superstar, too. How much, in your mind, and your viewpoint of him, is the lack of a real perimeter game for Trace Jackson Davis and, and his stock? That's one thing people don't even mention it. You've mentioned it. Yeah. You're going to continue to point to. And is that something that is adaptable? And maybe he's not beyond the arc, but stretch the floor in some way to make him viable long-term in the league? Well, I, look, we don't know if Trace can really shoot because he hasn't shot. Sure. Does that mean he can't shoot? Maybe. Half court? Obviously, I'm just kidding here, but I made a joke to buddies. I was like, oh, man, did the stock go up a little bit? Almost banked in a buzzer beater last night. When Trace Jackson Davis gets in workouts, NBA GMs, execs, you know, now that you're a GM, Jimmy. Um, yeah, thank you for the promotion, by the The NBA, way. they'll be pleasantly surprised. Like, he's got all the goods to, to be a – he can hit jumpers. He can at least be serviceable. And he'll show it. I mean, he's got a good-looking stroke. But one of the things that he does well is he takes what the defense gives him. You know what he does? Yeah. I mean, d- does he ever really need to shoot? I mean – why would I shoot when I can go around this guy and dunk on him? Why would I shoot when I can beat this yep. off, the, beat this guy off the dribble, draw two and pass? I mean, there's too much focus, and he is mobile. Trace can guard. Trace can guard. Trace gets switched on to point guards quite a bit. Trace can guard. He's he's a yep. really good defender. And in a game where you need mobile bigs, he definitely is. And and Tony alluded to that. Stain Fife. I'm Jimmy Cook. We're going to step aside. We come back. Take a little bit of a look both of the Colts post-combine as well as the start of championship week. What's already ongoing. If you haven't gotten on the boat, you've missed it. For me, it was an opportunity to lose some money. Hopefully we can do a little bit better for you with bets as well. Still to come with championship week upon us. Jimmy Cook and Dane Fife, Eddie Garrison, guiding us through the afternoon here on the Fan Midday Show. Pull back to Fan Midday Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yo. Jimmy, quit yelling into the microphone. Yelling right now? Yeah, you're yelling. Do you want to see me yell, Coach? That's hot. <laughs> Dane Five and Jimmy Cook. Plow to be bringing to you here on a Monday. Some news. Dan, you mentioned the offensive line needs help. If you're in the camp of the Colts, need help at left tackle, was a way to potentially get it. You have to make some cap space work to do it. But the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs are not tagging offensive tackle Orlando Brown. He's a left tackle for those concerned. Tag number's too high for them. He could become a free agent. I really like Orlando Brown. I don't want to see him leave Kansas City, but if I am drafting a quarterback of the future, I need the blind side protected, I'd go invest in Orlando Brown. Again, I don't know. I don't know the cap numbers in front of me. Colts have $13 million in cap space, so they have to do some stuff to make that work. Because Jimmy, he's you're a cool guy, right? Deal. Cool guy? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know that I'd use that word, but I'm, I'm okay. So uh, as the cool kids say, he's going to get that bag. He's going to get that bag. Do you want the Colts giving him that bag? No. No. Because he is literally the only name brand left tackle on the market. He is. That's true. 
which means that bag is going to be massive. It's yep. going to be massive. And the Colts are going to not be able to get Carson Wentz in <laughs> that dreams in uniform. So that's so that's automatically a deal breaker for you because Mr. Ursay, I'm going to look right into this camera and say, <laughs> I think you'd be making a great decision if you bring back Carson Wentz. Wait till next year if you want to jump into the draft stakes. Solidify your offensive line. Get a defense. And the Colts are going to be rolling. Rolling where? Like bottom of the South or? Rolling to their, <laughs> rolling into next season. <laughs> for for the for the elusive prizes I, that I await in that, that draft far. class? I haven't gotten that <laughs> You're not far. mapping it out fully? Do you think it's just far-fetched for Carson Wentz? Oh, yeah. Yes. Like, I, I think that because you see a number of unique names in backup quarterback spots, I think he can get a backup job somewhere. I do think someone will sign him. I do not think that... In, in, in no way, shape, or form, and, and Chappie's going to reiterate this tomorrow if you ask him again, no way, shape, or form is there any shot that he's coming to Indianapolis. I mean, no I, I just... Look, Peyton Manning's career was resurrected in Denver. Sure, but Denver was established and ready to go. They just needed the quarterback figured out. Colts are not no, that. They, they, they built it, right, Eddie? And the people came. And, and the QB <laughs> came. Could you stop saying the people? Could you say the QB? I can say the QB. I'm just quoting the movie. He's he's a man of the people. Well, the they QB didn't say the people in the, the people movie. Will Field come, of Dreams. Ray. He said, "Build it, and they will come." Not the, the people. people. He said, they, the, "I believe people. it's they." They'll, they'll, it's definitely not the people. I believe it's they. People Jump will, on our YouTube channel right now come, or our Ray. Twitter account. <laughs> Field of Dreams is the movie that's we're quoting in the case you're in the YouTube channel. What are you, no ta- are, you are you talking? Uh, he says, "People will come, Ray. People will most definitely come." Yeah, yeah but, but the voice said, "Build it, and they will come." Or build it, and he will come, and then they will come. But the daughter said, "People will come. They most definitely will come." And then, then um, what's his name? Uh, oh shoot! Uh, <laughs> I the guy with it. the really deep I voice. It. I don't know who you're talking about. How do, oh, James Earl Jones? Yes. Oh, you're looking for the actor? Okay. Yes. But build it, and they will come. There's no. It wasn't build it, and the people will come. <laughs> no. Build it, and these old folks will show up. But you think the quarterback will arrive? Yes. You want one more bad season? Build your offensive line and, Focus on other and spots. he will come. The QB. Because for me, if you're going the quarterback route and you're not, I want to shore up left tackle. And what's there right now for the Colts, I don't trust. I do agree with Eddie. It's going to be a bidding war because a lot of teams are going to need a left tackle. But he's only 26. He was a part of that group that... Again, faced off against Philly on the grandest stage, then give up a single sack. It was his best game of the year. I, I would at least have a conversation about bringing him in. Yeah, that bag's going to be massive. It isn't is. It? it is. And and and, and, and one could argue, and I'm sure that the YouTube chat is in that same boat of what well, we've paid plenty of offensive linemen and look where our return on investment has been. It's not there. I, I get it. I do. But you need stability at left tackle. Chicago. Ooh. For for him? Yeah, yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. Oh, I'm not. They've got the most cap space. Yep. They need offensive line help desperately. That just it just screams Chicago. Yep. I agree. Like I, that wouldn't surprise me at all if that's what Poles does. But if I'm Chris Boward and I'm going the quarterback route, maybe Eddie, you're the biggest Colts fan in the room. Does the point about the amount of money that's been invested in the O line previously and knowing that assuming you don't trade off any of those offensive linemen that are still there right now, does adding another 30, 40, 
I don't know what the I don't know what the number be. Twenty million dollar a year linemen scare you because of that, or is it because you have other areas you want the money spent? I would prefer the the money to be spent other areas. Okay, uh, that's just me personally. Um, I do think Chris Ballard will address the offensive line in the draft and bring in a veteran free agent or two, create some competition. I would. I'm not a hundred percent sold on the fact that Ryan Kelly will be on the roster. I think it's like. 75-25, I think he'll be there. 75% being that he will be, but I think there's going to be some real competition for that center position and for right guard. Those are the two positions that plagued the Colts the most last year. For you, is it the money that's already been invested in the line? Same question, or is it that you want other areas to be getting the checkbook? I want offensive line and defense. You okay. find yourself a serviceable quarterback. Matt Ryan was a risk. I, I firmly believe that. You see the Saints just signed Mr. Carr? Yeah, I was going to bring that up. It, not that that was ever reported that the Colts were in that no, boat. No, but One thing it does do, though, the Panthers were in that boat, and now at least they continue churning at the rumor mill and you go on people like Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, the Pulse is now all of a sudden you have Frank Reich and the Panthers and Shane Steichen and the Colts. Both need a quarterback. Both are within... Am I right on this, Eddie? Five spots of each other? Panthers have nine. Is that right? I think they're eight. Eight? Okay. But it they're both within striking distance. That's the most fascinating part to me is who's going to pull the trigger and are the Colts confident standing, Pat? For you, I right. understand you're out of the conversation a I'm bit out. because you don't want one of the quarterbacks. For the you sake want to focus. Of sure. So in that instance, I'm if I'm in your shoes, which again, I, I'd That's rather a, is, Bryce is Young. Is Jim Irsay and, and um, Ballard going to listen to you or are they going to listen to me? Well, I mean, you have tenure, so it's true. Me, I'm older. <laughs> Maybe Eddie. I, Eddie hasn't taken a position. I don't feel Eddie wants a quarterback. I will say you're there. You have to take the quarterback if there's one that you like. At because, four, yeah, Come you, on. You, not at four, but like if there's a you quarterback can say that, that for you every are, draft, because you don't know if you're how soon you're going to be up in that top range again, and you keep mortgaging the future the further back you go in terms of where you're drafting from to get back up there so right now would be the best time to get a quarterback because you're within the top five you know atlanta's going to suck miserably so they're going to probably have that first pick next year and they're not going to move that pick so they'll have caleb williams draft already going there for 2024 so then you're pretty much going to be in a bidding war right now for that second quarterback next year if you don't go the route of quarterback in this draft, and that would probably be Drake May, unless there's a third quarterback out there that just kind of comes out of nowhere. How many QBs end up worth the crap on the team that drafted them? Well, again, we've had a revolving door of hosts. Um, Vince Welch was in here last week, and he kind of brought that up, which is true. There's been a, a number of duds, like Sam Darnold's of the world, Baker, I mean... Joey I, Harrington, yeah. Lions. <laughs> you know it well. So, yes, I mean, that, that is a risk. My argument, and it's easy to sit in this chair and say it, than it is being a GM on West 56th Street. But the it's anybody can trade up, to your point. Anybody can go get a guy. It's a matter of, is your scout, and are you right? Are you going to be right in three or four years? I'd never take a rookie QB, ever. You go the veteran route. Always. Keep my offensive line solid. Keep my defensive backs and defensive line solid. Because in the words of Eddie, if you build it, <laughs> who will the come? quarterback will come. The quarterback will come. 
I'm not going to be upset if the Colts draft Stroud or Young. I lean Bryce, well, even with care. the height, even man. with the frame. You're a Lions fan. It doesn't mean, right. it doesn't mean that we don't, we don't care about what <laughs> well, you, you want to say on the matter. You're talking about getting emotional based on who the Colts take. Jimmy is an emotional guy. I, I, He's I, cried I, three times in here since I've done these shows. I mean, it, is it because of your badgering of his music? One, that was one. That really they cut deep, Coach. But the other one, I told him I hated the shirt he was wearing. Yeah, you did. Mm. And I, I think the other one is I told him he couldn't read, and he, that really hurt his feelings. Yeah. It, it, you've been just keep turning the knife on me, and That's it's, right. it's tough. That's right. Speaking of, of, we talked about branding. We need, Kleenex can be a sponsor, the way, the way they've been treating me <laughs> last couple of days. No, but in all seriousness, for me, I want to shore up as much as I can on the rookie contract. That's why it's always appealing to me. Don't just draft a quarterback for the sake of drafting it, but let's say I'm in the Bryce Young camp, which I kind yeah. of am. They get him. They say they trade up for the Bears, not at the price point they're suggesting, but two first-rounders, a second, a third, and a fourth, something like that. You get him, and you're operating underneath the luxury that is a rookie contract. That is the window where you have to maximize as much as you can. The Bengals are in danger of missing that window with Joe Burrow because after this season, they're going to have to pay him. They don't do an extension already. It is a dangerous game taking a rookie quarterback. You're right. But Chris Ballard does not have a luxury of being able to, in my mind, unless he has permission from up top, take a veteran and sit back one more year. Well, that's what we're going to find out from Chappie tomorrow. Yeah. You know, he's in direct contact with Jim Irsay, and, and he is, and I believe him. It'll be interesting. Chappie is as close to anybody on this beat, and each week that we get closer to the draft, you hope that there's more fine-tuning of what Indianapolis is going to do, but I would be, you wouldn't, would you be surprised if they didn't take quarterback? Because that would shock me. If they, really? don't, if they don't end up with a quarterback, barring three going in a row, right? If Young, Stroud, and for the sake of argument, Richardson go, and they pass on Levis, maybe I wouldn't be surprised then. But outside of that, I'd be really shocked if they didn't leave that first round selection with a quarterback not in tote. If they take a QB, it's winning the press conference based on who's available. Yeah, it's the easiest thing to do. I, I don't disagree with that. And that's what I think it that's what I think if they take if the Colts take a QB. Okay. Based on just what you've seen from just based on for me, the method, the common sense of it all. Sure. Um and again, I, I'm not even a fan. I guess I'm a quasi-Colts fan. I'm a Lions fan, but but I'm certainly not a coach, and I don't understand football talent um, like like Eddie does. Right. But um, I think a big part is is what I see is somebody that's not good enough to change a program that wants to win now and maybe thinks they can win now. Let's stay in five. I'm Jimmy Cook. When we come back, we'll have some bets for you to start championship week. Plus, final thoughts on that quarterback discussion because there's one more question I want to throw Eddie and Dane's way on the other side. Jimmy Cook and Dane Fife here on the Fan Midday Show, 93.5107.5 The Fan. Final time here on a Monday on the Fan Midday Show. Jimmy Cook and Dane Fife. Championship week is upon us. It's Ocon Championship tonight, man. You excited? Furman's gonna do you, do you lock in punch to, their ticket seriously like like when you go home oh for sure yeah yeah I was part of the Summit League we've got North Dakota State South Dakota State sure. tonight Oral Roberts and a new team from Minnesota that should be a good one a new Division One team I'm looking forward to that across the board of course we're gonna get to some bets in just a second Jimmy loves to talk about his bets oh, he got stiffed man. last week twice I did. Got and a, he got called Eddie on got a several occasions. I did. I did. Bo- Brian, bo- both it. instances were, were were tough breaks of the heart. You talk about you 
hurting me. That 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 hurts. That that level That's of disrespect. Worse? Just yeah. Oh man. Because I I kind of you know. Hey, there's only I expect, one. 80. I expect it from you. Yeah, you know, it, it it comes with the territory. That's right. Do you want to give some bets though? While we have a second. The Jay Cook plays of the day. This is me. All right, I'm not a athlete. This is my way. This is how I win. We're gonna start off taking Hofstra and laying the seven. That's right. We're laying the seven on the pride of Hofstra as they host UNC Wilmington. In a matchup tonight at six o'clock. Also gonna scoop five and a half on McNeese State as they battle Nichols State this evening. Closing things out, we're going with Furman. We're gonna take Furman on the money line over Chattanooga. And as well, I'll throw in one Horizon League play. Gonna take Youngstown State to win on the money line against Northern Kentucky. Ooh. Find those plays on Twitter at the J Cook. I shift towards Eddie Garrison. He's shaking his head no. No plays on your front. Any any games in college hoops that will attract your attention? Obviously, you'll be fully focused in on, on Pacers 76ers. Tonight, you'll be behind the board. You can find that coverage starting at 6.30 p.m. here on the fan. Anything college hoops-wise? Nothing college hoops-wise. I am all NBA right now until tomorrow when the big the big boys start. The ACC, SEC, Power Fives. We start their conference tournaments. Not to say that that I I'm, I'm in desperate need of, of of the fix from Eddie Garrison, but but you don't have an NBA prop for me. Nothing you could throw my way to. No, because to there's some, there's some injury reports coming out. Uh, I know Jason Tatum is out tonight for Boston. Uh, need to find out the status of Tyrese Halliburton and Aaron Neesmith for the Indiana side. So, got to monitor the injury reports before making any official plays. I don't want to have to fully school Eddie to end the day so I'll put it in your court decide if you want to do that or Preston not. Eddie, I'm 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 uh I'm steering clear of any uh any bets tonight. I just I was a little disheartened because I I'm I'm I love championship week, I'll be honest. I haven't watched a ton of mid-major action across the board this year, but I'm willing to to read up and crunch some numbers before I make a bet. From a viewership standpoint, though, Dane, I argue conference tournament time, particularly smaller conferences, is as exciting as anything you're going to see all year. They're absolute battles. And it's one bid leagues. There's no, well, maybe we can get an (laughs) at-large. And these players and fans just hang on every shot like it's their lives. And it's, it's hard not to to get caught up in the emotion of it. It's yeah. just incredible to watch, incredible to watch these coaches because everything comes down to this, these games. And tonight we got Furman against the Mocs of Chattanooga, and you've got Furman. Taking Furman. Line. Yep, going with Furman tonight. Like that, but in general – then you could always get if I want to get hostile and me. I'm like, all right, yeah, well, lost that bet. Hey, enjoy your <laughs> enjoy your 15-2 matchup. But for you, as we got about a minute left here, where was the more rewarding process for you? Obviously, being in the Big Ten and coaching at that point, it, as electric as anything. But you look at your coaching tree and your path to get there. Conference tournaments in general, particularly at the small level, you mentioned it. Whether it's future jobs, whatever the case yeah. may be, there's a lot on the line. Look, I, I think it's much more um, emotional as a coach. Yeah. Um, I think players, and I, I was one, that we tend to think, okay, we've got more time or we've got what's next, whether it's NBA or my next career. Um, as a coach, it's every time you lose, you think you're getting fired. You, can, you can't help but envision getting you know, down the line. Yeah. And you know, you, your, your working life depends on it. 
lot different as a player. Stay in five. I am Jimmy Cook. Stay with us. JMV's going to take you through the rest of the afternoon. Tomorrow, the Dean Mike Chapel will join us. We'll react to conference championship week beginning as well. John is next here on The Fan.